1: What's up, dude? Not much, how are you? Welcome to the Low Gang. I mean
2: The KSI Gang. The KSI gang. The KSI I mean, Gang. I was surprised. Chris Bon Command Gang. I watched I actually didn't watch the whole fight, I watched a section of it. I thought that uh, the larger Logan Paul would would win. And he did not. Yeah, he should have won. Just got too bloodlusty. Yeah, <laughs> punched him right in the back of the head. <laughs> right. uh, oh. I was watching. and I was like, yeah, that's the bloodlust. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't. You've been training fighting for a year, and you just really want to kill the guy. Yeah, and you get and you get a clean shot on him, and he's yeah. almost done. And you just like, I can end it now. Connor did the same thing. <laughs> Connor did the same thing to yeah. Floyd. That's just the bloodlust, man. Yeah. You yeah. go.
1: Why can't I punch him in the back of the head? <laughs> well, also, I'm going to do it anyway. He's down. Now's my chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I
2: gotta capitalize on this moment. His knees on the ground. Boxing, Time to strike. Boxing is a if you've done other sorts of combat, it's a strange thing to let up when they take a knee. Yeah. Because if you've done MMA or wrestling or this is this is the moment of attack. This is what you've been waiting for, is when they're stunned and now you capitalize. And boxing it's exactly the opposite. It's like, no, now we pause. And we start back yeah. at neutral.
1: No, I like boxing. I like watching it. And it, it, training, it's better than nothing. But for sure, if you're interested in actual fighting, it's it seems a little bit odd compared
2: to MMA or even Muay Thai. Well, I read the book on violence. And it makes a very good point that it's all BS. It's yeah. Like Actual fighting is when somebody jumps you in an alley and you don't see them coming. Yeah. And then they stab you on the side and they take your money. And all the MMA and wrestling in the world doesn't do it. Now, where actual fighting does occur and MMA can help is when you're at a bar and somebody's like yo dude get out of my face and then you're getting his face and then you both see it coming and it's a dominance display and nobody is actually trying to kill the other person it's just to display I'm tougher than you then of course MMA wrestling jiu-jitsu boxing are going to come you in. you occasionally
1: huge. get those stories though a boss rootin beat the shit out of
2: eight security guards in a bar they weren't trying to kill him they were hitting him with pool sticks and shit they were trying to subdue him. I, none of them were trying to kill him. None of them were trying to kill him. It was him. eight dudes with pool sticks. <laughs> well, I, the Boss Rutan story, if you don't know who Boss Rutan is, he's a, he's an OG MMA guy. Yeah. And I don't remember the story, but it sounded like he, he started it. Who's right? to say? He ended up in jail. <laughs> yeah. Who's to say whose fault yeah. it was? Uh, but that book, just for people... What's the book called? It's called On Violence. Mm. And it's interesting because it was written by a maximum prison security guard. And he distinguishes between two types of violence. The first is... What you're familiar with and what you might need. There's a bully and he, you see him coming and he gets in your face. And truly, his intent is not to kill you. Mm-hmm. His intent is to show dominance over you. And this is where martial arts can be incredibly, incredibly effective. As can confidence, standing up for yourself and maybe just saying, hey, leave me alone, depending on how old you are. Yeah. Uh, and this normally occurs between members of the same species. The other kind of violence is predatory violence. This is what you see between a lion and a gazelle where it's, I'm going to creep up on you and try to murder you (laughs) for resources. But it can occur between members of the same species, obviously, when resources are in question. And in those cases, weapons are used, uh, sneak attacks are used, and all your preparation in the dojo for two guys looking at each other is... uh, The guy in the prison said, this isn't what an attack looks like. When an attack happens, you don't see it coming, and... Training your punching is not nearly as important as training your Situational awareness. Situational awareness, yeah. Yeah. Dude, my friend was in prison for six months,
1: and he said he was in line for food once, and someone behind him got shanked to death. And you hear it. It's he's just in line. All of a sudden, he's oh, right? Jesus. And he starts to turn, and the guy in front of him goes, don't turn. He goes, what? He goes, if you see who did it, they'll kill you too.
2: And it's like, yeah, there's no amount of MMA yeah. <laughs> preparation for that. Yeah. So, so real fighting is kind of a strange misnomer yeah when you think about it they're all we we'll call it street fighting yes they're all artificial rules that are that we that we constrain violence to but man in its rawest form we'll call it street fighting versus sneaky murder <laughs> yeah exactly none of it's helpful for sneaky murder anyway if you're in a boxing match you can't punch the guy in the back of the head yeah <laughs> this song is what this comes back to uh did you watch any of the fight yeah i saw that i saw that round and i actually
1: totally understood how it happened yeah yeah, you've experienced well, I don't I actually when I fought I don't have a lot of adrenaline when I fight weirdly. Mm-hmm. I don't have bloodlust I'm much more
2: Calculated I guess I watched a thing of Logan. He said the hardest thing for me is I didn't want to hurt him said that's what he said now granted that could be that could be I lost and I'm and I'm backpedaling He's like I don't have a killer instinct I I mean we talked and I was angry at him and all these things but When you hit someone with these little gloves you hurt them. Yeah, and he hurt me and like I didn't want him to hurt me, but I also wasn't trying to end him. No, I have I have that, actually. I have that, <laughs> no, seriously, that makes sense to me. No, I don't have the killer instinct. I have yeah, the same yeah. thing as Logan. We would
1: yeah. be training, and I would get into a dominant position in sparring, and I would just do these little taps. of just like, hey, yeah. I've got you in a bad spot. You can't escape. I'm beating you, and I'd just yeah. do that until the round ends, and then I trained with a guy probably got abused as a kid, had a lot of anger issues, and he would get in the dominant position, and he would just didn't even matter that we were in the gym. Not a real fight. Not yep. Not training. Not, it was for fun. Like, we're teammates trying to get better. He would just wail on you with four-ounce gloves in training. Mm-hmm. And he just had hate in his heart, you know? And I don't Do you remember I don't the have one that.
2: time that I came in? Did you train with me? No. Oh, you weren't there. I mean, I came in for a handful of classes, and at the end, you spar. Yeah. And there was one guy, and luckily, we were all new. But same thing. You could just tell. Some, somebody did something to this guy. And it wasn't even with me. It, it started with this much smaller guy because he was probably 6'3". Mm. Tall, lean guy. And he was wailing yeah. on this guy and sparring. And multiple times, the guy said, if you do that again, you're going to spar me. The, the coach said that. Yeah. And then I went up against him. And I was closer to his size. So he didn't, he didn't hurt me, but he tried. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hurt him because I don't know how. I yeah. was able to get out of the way and, and keep a, a, a distance. But it was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm here to, to practice and learn and gain an advantage and then restart. Yeah, it's and, often not the best people. I actually remember I,
1: I sparred a guy once who was like that. But he was terrible. Yeah. But he would just load back and swing for the fences, and so and I'd just be like, "All right." And I was just talking to him. I was like, "Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt you
2: just to stop you if you don't chill." He could not chill. Yeah. He never stopped. It's so. Those of you who don't know, Ben did uh, one amateur MMA fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, one and oh, not like a no, but you, professional trained, you trained, for months, and so when somebody new would come into the gym, there was a beginner class, and there was a I'm going to step and do the octagon yeah. class, and you were in that class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there were definitely a lot of people that would have gotten messed up. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't have that rage. Yeah. I wasn't beaten as a kid, so I don't have that killer instinct. That's that's the other thing is, you think of the Mike Tysons of the world who were so angry and... It, you see the violence, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you see it. And sure, he, did. he wasn't hitting people and they were down because I don't think he had much of a chance as they were falling. They hit the ground so fast. But he, Actually, speaking of Tyson, I was thinking about this,
1: this uh, Thomas Shelby video we did recently about how to be fearless. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because a lot of people want to be fearless. Yeah. But a lot of the best fighters talk about being scared before they get into the cage. So I, I, there's an interesting distinction between fearless versus courage. Yeah. And courage is doing it even though you're scared. I don't have a good sense for when one is better than the other, but I think there are a lot of people that do incredible things that are scared of those things. I think George St. Pierre, arguably maybe the best fighter of all time in MMA. Mike Tyson, arguably the best boxer of all time. And both said every time they walked to the ring, they were terrified. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because everybody
2: wants to be fearless. It's like, maybe just be okay that you're scared. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What Mike Tyson said, and I, I would have to think about it further, is that backstage he was terrified. He said that as he walked and by the time he got into the cage, yeah, he was furious oh yeah i think once the fight started i don't yeah. think gsp was scared even he said yeah, i looked at the man and i wanted to kill him i wanted yeah. you know like it like it's a really interesting monologue he has i'm sure you could find it on youtube but moving along f transition yeah. unless there's any more no, no my takeaway is just it's okay to be scared <laughs> everybody wants so badly to be fearless and yeah. hates
1: that they're nervous i'm so nervous to talk on stage i'm so nervous to talk to this mm-hmm. person it's, it's fine
2: <laughs> mike tyson's scared george st pierre's scared It's certainly common. It's certainly the norm, even amongst, I think, high performers that eventually, kind of what we talked about in the video, just get used to it. They just have done it so many times that it's, that's their normal day and and you can't be scared every day, which actually, maybe I will jump ahead. No, I'll get back to that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. I will refer to the being scared every day. So I watched this right before. This is a little bit lighter, but Shia LaBeouf, man, we did a video on him. I thought it was a pretty good video. Not my best work ever, but I like it. And it didn't do as well as an average video of ours. And he's back on the tour and he's doing – he's done Hot Ones. He was just on Ellen. And he's so – he really does have something special. And um, I'm just disappointed (laughs) that that, uh, the video that we did on him didn't do well because I feel like I've covered some people that are more famous but more generic and the advice that I have is a bit more generic. And his is about – being honest in this disarming way and I, I just wish we could make that video do better i don't do i don't have that, a
1: solution do you think that the video
2: covers everything you want it to no no um, it you definitely make a doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i could he's got enough interviews and it would it would be repetition the thing that is so charming about him he is he is truly he just blurts out the truth in 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 a way that isn't seeking validation mm-hmm. And that's, that is a big point of what we talk about in the video. He's not trying to get your sympathy or your anything. It just happens to be the case. Yeah. And so he says it because it's true. And maybe I could make another video on that point, but it's kind of in the first one. Yeah. No, it's interesting. He definitely, I definitely get the sense he was really famous. He was really
1: rich. He hated it. Now he's mm-hmm. doing indie films and he likes it. Yeah. I think for him, he's found the path to happiness is to do what he wants. And he's had experiential learning with that. Whereas other people can accept that truism, but they haven't lived it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I get the sense when I watch him. He's like, yeah, I really don't care if people love this.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I got to ask because we've talked about this. We, we've we done well as a business. We've mm-hmm. started to earn money. And you just said the path to happiness is to do what you want. There's some videos that I've done where it's like, look, this is a famous person that I'm not interested in. Thomas yeah. Shelby actually turned out to be interesting, and I'm, I was glad. I resisted it for a while. Yeah. But we still, we work on marketing, we work on sales pages and that kind of stuff. Well, I think find the, Zen di-
1: find the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. P- like pick all the people you're interested in and then pick people that
2: other people want to learn about and do the people in the middle. That, so that's what I'm going to try to do. But certainly I feel like I, and I don't know, I know you're a little bit different than me, I don't want to try to... I want to make stuff like this podcast that is for me. This podcast mm-hmm. is going to get one one-hundredth or one one-thousandth of the viewership. It's not going to help our business. It's, it's truly just a cost center, but I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to do more things like that. And maybe that's a terrible long-term financial strategy. Sure. Or maybe it's the best long-term financial strategy. There is something, when I read Tim Ferriss, to be said for just trying to make the thing that you're most passionate about and in a longer time horizon, one year, two years, three years, that tends to be what wins out, as opposed to trying to please the market today. Or well, I think today. Shia's strategy was to take a huge pay cut. He took a huge pay cut. Yeah. yeah, and and that's the other thing. Well, I don't. I'm glad that you recentered me because you could probably make more money by trying to please the market. Yeah, you could probably be a an A-list actor that was doing summer blockbusters that were uninspiring to you, and it yeah, was yeah. it was just mass produced, but. What if they're not as happy as the guy who
1: does? I'm going to ruin you here, but I think Shia was literally just in rehab or uh, some sort of therapy center. So I don't think he's (laughs) particular. he wasn't happy doing Transformers, but I don't think he's very happy now. Because I think between – I'm going to get the timing off, but I think it's between Peanut Butter Falcon and his new movie. Mm -hmm. He was in a therapy center or a rehab center because he wrote this movie that's about him and his father. Honey Boy while he was in a facility
2: he wrote so honey boy's older he wrote honey boy a long time ago it actually was oh, okay. written and shot prior to peanut butter falcon okay so then before peanut butter falcon yes
1: but, but post indie films <clears throat> yes he so was...
2: correct and and i'm not saying that shia labeouf is the paragon of what it means to be happy because when he talks about his childhood openly and honestly it's tough and yeah. apparently honey boy dives into it i want to see it yeah to, to know more about it uh that doesn't mean that it's not the better choice for him and that it couldn't be the better choice for us, so just be prepared for a bunch of self-indulgent charisma on a command videos. Well, here's an interesting, <laughs> but this is an interesting question. So he was doing Transformers and he yeah. was drinking
1: himself into oblivion. Yeah. But then he was doing indies and then had to go to this facility
2: and was plagiarizing. And so yeah. neither it seems like neither of them made him happy. Neither is a, is sufficient. Well, what you could, what my read seems to be from listening to people is that one path of trying to please others is guaranteed. To make you unhappy Mm -hmm. because you're not even working on making yourself happy you're trying to to appease the masses others make a bunch of money look good in the eyes of everyone else but the route that gives you a chance doesn't guarantee it is is looking for genuine inspiration what about the chris hemsworth's and the robert downey juniors that appear to be pretty happy doing mega blockbusters uh so i think one i would I'm passionate about Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm not saying that I would love acting. No but sorry. But you're saying they might be passionate about those roles? And or, or they might be miserable and unhappy. Who knows? But yeah, they might they might love it. Thor, it sounded like, was getting tired of it and said, and then this this he said, I can't do this dumb Shakespearean character anymore that just where art thou? I need something new. And then Tycho Waititi comes in and Thor Ragnarok shows sure. up. And now Thor's everybody's favorite Avenger, or one of them. <laughs> uh, I think there's something to be said for making a hard left turn when you're uninspired. And in Thor's case, it was easy because Dark World kind of bombed. But yeah. <laughs> So, not that I'm, that, that I'm entirely uninspired by the channel, but there are people that I cover that don't make my week better for having learned about them. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I don't think we need to. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think find the people that you are interested in that other people are interested in. Tom Shelby is a good
2: example, I think. I don't know how many of them there are. And then the question is what happens when there's no middle of the Venn diagram? Which side do you go to? Because sometimes... Then you do a talking head. (laughs) Then you do a video about negotiating. Then you do a talking head about what? Just pretend. If there is no middle of the Venn diagram, where where does your your allegiance lie? Sorry, Ben. (laughs) So that was the Shia LaBeouf thought. Also random, Ellen does a burning question segment i'd never seen it which is a clear you could call it homage you could call it a copycat of hot ones she's got like they eat a hot pepper and then she asked them questions. oh really yeah and i was like wow wow okay. and people aren't upset about this no and i don't i don't think they should be i think it's i think it's it's the format is something that people are going to do now the content of her questions is is obviously going to change but yeah man hot ones hot ones started a thing of of i don't mean this in a pejorative way the gimmick interview which is kevin hart gets in an ice bath or random things we talked about different gimmicks that we could do uh we were talking about hands-on with ben and charlie where we go get manicures with people Feel free to steal that. I don't know if it's got legs. Didn't feel like it did. It just would be fun to do it with someone like Jordan Peterson, because yeah, he would yeah. just be like,
1: so so displeased about his manicure.
2: And I don't know that we could sell people on showing up at a, at a manicurist with us. No, no. I just think that's interesting
1: because I feel like if it were the other way around, people wouldn't be happy. If, what other? Way? If a YouTuber took a mainstream mm. media's
2: gimmick. Yeah, but they do the interview. This is the other thing. It's all it's all copycat. Like the interview format was not invented by by a YouTuber. The the lighting setup was not invented by a YouTuber. The over the shot, over the shoulder shot. These were all taken from from mainstream approaches. Uh, So I think I do think it's it's fair, and maybe it's worth once saying, you know, thanks to Hot Ones for this this great idea. But I actually think I'm, I'm okay with that. I, if you're, right. Let me know if you're not. I, I think it's an interesting discussion of where the line between plagiarism. We all can agree that if they just if they called it hot ones and they had 10 buffalo wings and they asked similar deep dive questions that did a, you know, an Instagram dive and where they had to explain that gram, we'd be like, okay, this has crossed the line. But where does the line of inspiration and plagiarism, where should it be drawn? I don't know. Do you, do you have any? No, I don't know. No. It just doesn't sit. It's weird. It doesn't sit well with me. Interesting. Yeah. What about the fact that, that Hot Ones copied interviewing and they interviewed all the same people that have been on Ellen previous and he probably learned a lot from other interviewers interviews. Yeah,
1: I feel like no one person has the right to claim interviewing though. Mm-hmm. And maybe Hot Ones stole their spicy food gimmick from someone else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who would you say Hot Ones copied when they did an interview format? It seems like they copied every talk show and or podcast that's ever been done somebody you know I mean? somebody did it first yeah and then somebody copied that. i bet, I bet. <laughs> so just to be clear if david letterman was the first person to ever to a talk show i bet mm-hmm. he was pissed when the second talk show came out
2: that's uh, i know he he obviously wasn't there was a the entire yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm just saying i'm just saying what should he be pissed i don't know i kind of feel like i i feel like i feel like copying formats and iterating on them is how innovation occurs. Yeah. Now clearly we would agree at the far extreme of plagiarism, but yeah, we'll have to think more about about the line. I had the I did have the initial reaction. I was like, This isn't fair. This is the big guy stealing the little that's guy's. The idea. Issue. I think
1: that's the issue. And then it feels uh, like
2: the big guy jacking the little guy's stuff. Yeah. Well Hot Ones Hot Ones is doing okay. And they sure, they're this in, won't hurt them. they are in Ellen in comment sections for this going, Ellen, come on the show and i bet you they get her within the next season or two. Yeah. So
1: no, this, will, this will probably help them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it'll probably push things back to them. But still an interesting question, which I don't think we have a good answer to, maybe in another episode. So so I'm sure you've got stuff, but I just wanted to say I watched from shock to awe last night Tim Ferriss' recommended documentary on treating combat vets with plant medicine. Mm. And it was... Define plant medicine. Ayahuasca in this one case, and, and somebody else took MDMA, which I guess isn't a plant. I don't they call it plant medicine. Entheogens is what they often yeah. call it. So it Sounds better when you call it a plant medicine. You're yeah. MDMA, I'm pretty sure it's just made in the
1: lab. <laughs> Curing PTSD with lab chemicals.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't know a ton about the veteran situation, but, oh, dude, it's... And, and I still don't, because I have to remind myself this is anecdotal experience. The veteran experience, on average, could be very different, but it was really sad yeah. what these two guys were dealing with. The first guy was so anxious at the beginning that I thought he was dumb when he was speaking because he was so distracted and unable to put a sentence together. And I'm not kidding. They do the first ayahuasca ceremony and he's talking about it after. And I was like, this dude's eloquent. This dude can speak. This dude has interesting ideas. And for the first 40 minutes of this documentary, (laughs) I thought he was just kind of dumb. And, and, and he was like, Oh man, he's just so anxious. He can't pull it together. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was so – the real thing that I thought was it's kind of a shame, kind of is, is an understatement, that the people who decided to go to war have no experience uh, of what this was like. And not to simply pick on one guy, but George Bush did not fight in Vietnam mm-hmm. and made the fairly unilateral decision to begin the war – in Iraq and maybe another president would have done the same this isn't about picking on him specifically but just the fact that that you can make that call with no mm-hmm. on the ground experience is it's kind of baffling to me that that you can say we should go to war without understanding what that means on a visceral level yeah. and i thought it was wrong <laughs> honestly not saying that only vets should be able to run for the presidency but like maybe we need some more of the people speaking as advisors in those sorts of scenarios but uh and the other thing was just interesting that they do note that ayahuasca is not a magic pill like these people their anxiety improved but their marriage is still struggled (laughs) and it was fascinating because you could see they're like it's a lot better it's a lot better but like now we're realizing that uh the only issue in our marriage wasn't my anxiety Mm. (laughs) and now they're dealing with like she's got a lot of problems too yeah, yeah. And, and, she, and the wifey goes yeah like I was able to hide behind him and kind of push my stuff down because he was such a big problem and I was able to oh this is our this is our problem I have I'm a combat wife and, and we're dealing with him and as soon as that goes away it's like oh guess what like all this other stuff that from our own relationship and our own childhoods comes up yeah. so I think if, if anyone is thinking about doing plant medicines it's not going to solve every problem in your life in, in a straight shot it might start A path of beginning to improve on those deeper seated things that was all it was it was an interesting thing sounds cool yeah you should watch it um but the last thought that i had on that and then i'm sure you've got a lot to say because no no we're done (laughs) is that it's i was i caught myself being very moved by the accounts of two people Mm -hmm. and i caught myself thinking this is what war is like. This is what it's like to be a veteran. Yeah. This is what we need. And I was so again blown away by the power of story and documentary. Yeah, this is what I said about the book I'm reading.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Give and take. That's how he makes all his points is with, with an anecdote. Mm-hmm. And you just go, "Oh my God, Abe Lincoln was a giver. Yeah, I should be a giver. <laughs> it's like, well, who was the next president? Yeah. Was the next president yeah. a giver?
2: How did that work? Was out Was it from? a taker? I Are don't there know. Counter examples to this? Yeah. So. It, it got me thinking like how does the world change because we also mentioned Boyan Slot in the last podcast and he was in the Thomas Shelby interview. He did uh, ocean cleanup and he's the engineer who's who's cleaning up the ocean in this miraculous way. What he's doing, I'll, I'm going to link a video probably somewhere in the show notes. Uh, but it got me thinking like the order that that you change the world and mm-hmm. it seems like. And I, because I want to know where we can play. The first thing is somebody has a brilliant, unique, original idea. I don't think that's me. (laughs) You know, somebody discovers meditation. Somebody, the first guy to like lick a frog, (laughs) and smoke DMT. Somebody crazy out in the woods who is who is truly pioneering. Sorry, are we putting Boyan in that level? Uh, No, he's an engineer. Oh, okay, he's an engineer. Uh, And also the pure scientists, the scientist who is studying butterflies because he wants to know how they fly and finds that they have some sort of compound, whatever it is, are like the first level. Yeah. And then the second level is this influencer level, which is documentarians. could be YouTube personalities, uh, authors, popularizers, but also politicians. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump started the fear of immigration. I think he was just like, a condenser and a popularizer of of what people were potentially already thinking at the dinner table, uh, and then the last level is kind of the implementers, right? These are your engineers, your et cetera's uh, engineers, engineers, uh, entrepreneurs at some level. Your your Elon Musk's who show up and build a rocket, right? And where do you think we can play best? I mean, based on what you just said, <laughs> second, sorry, are we going to come up with a great new idea? This isn't a thought? trick question. Are we going to be
1: influencers yeah. or are we going to be the engineers that invent new technology? I'll go with we're probably in the second bucket.
2: <laughs> I thought engineer. The popul- <laughs> I would guess we could be popularizers. What do you think? Yes, I agree. But it also made me want to do a documentary. Okay. Is what it made me think. On what? Similar to what this this documentary was, but I'd have to think of the angle. But the thing that we are interested in that we're trying to do is popularize uh potentially healing through
1: oh this is why you want to talk to our buddy uh matt yeah matt Devella. yeah
2: because he will actually do the cinematography work. he will actually do the work you you and i will just be (laughs) with a video camera okay so i'm this i'm this like 1a slot which is like idea guy (laughs) like i just like whisper one thing in your ear and then you do it (laughs) no i so well we can do the groundwork of like
1: pulling the people together pulling Mm -hmm. the plant medicines together well, I have a couple of friends that run retreats for various
2: psychedelics. Yeah, well, there's all there's also other levels which I'm excluding, which are financiers and and all these these types of things. But those were sort of the blar things. Like comes up with the first idea, spreads the idea, and then boy, on slot is incredible, man. If you look at the engineering that they're doing on this thing. I just go I wish I had that skill. I wish I could make stuff in the world, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't hammer a nail. I can't I don't understand magnets. Yeah. I can't do any of the cool things that you're doing to creatively solve these problems. But I could make people think that this is a big problem that they should pay attention yeah.
1: to. You could make twice as many people know who Boyan Slot is. <laughs>
2: Not even. He's 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 very popular. I've never heard these of these days, so I can make one person. Yeah, there you go. I've heard his name seven hundred times
1: more frequently in the last week than I had in my prior life.
2: But uh, yeah, would you be interested in a documentary? Of, sure, of any of any sort. Yeah, I
1: I'm think. literally going to New York to do uh, to go to a ketamine clinic, yeah. and I'm going to Amsterdam
2: to do to a psilocybin retreat. So yeah. so if we just have a camera,
1: <laughs> I'm doing half the legwork yeah. already.
2: 2020, 2021, I think I was trying to think where our unique skill is, and we understand human psychology very well. And even when I watch these documentaries, I go, ah, oh, you missed an opportunity here. Like, you missed an opportunity to pull the heartstring, to get the call to action, to yeah, whatever Yeah, to tell the story. To also, let's yeah. not do a nine-hour one like Netflix does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do a, a quick
1: 45 minutes hour or an hour half. and a half. Yeah,
2: we'll get in that 90-minute slot. But I understand nothing about the cinematography. If you guys have seen our videos, you'll know that. But what I do think I get is the story arc and the persuasive sure. arc to, to make something uh, compelling. So if we can... I do think it could be around psychedelics, but keep your eye out for that in like four years. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can be one voice amongst Subscribe men. to the podcast for updates yeah. in 2021. <laughs> yeah, don't miss out <laughs> on the Netflix talk. But anyway, anything that you wanted to bring up? Those sure. were sort of my chain of, of I, got a, I got I got a B transition about drugs. Okay, that's, that's an A transition. So, well, not
1: when you find out that mm-hmm. it's about El Chapo's son. Oh. So this wasn't the first thing I was going to talk about, but since we're talking about drug, uh, drugs. So El Chapo's son... A Mexican cop was involved in his arrest, right? His arrest lasted like 12 hours. Yeah. That cop was gunned down in a hail of 155 bullets. Wow. Yeah. And I was reading this because it's just fascinating. It's literally like something out of a movie. But this is a police officer trying to do his job, trying to uphold the laws of his country, pulls up to a grocery store, car pulls up next to him. Four guys hop out of the car with automatic rifles, just light his car up and are gone in about 20 seconds 30 so, seconds
2: to be clear is this the cop that picked up the son? is this the cop that i don't know i don't know what his involvement was exactly or is this just a guy to, to make a message is this the district attorney is this the
1: i don't know it says that militarized police captured him and then released uh ovidio guzman lopez after mm-hmm. a brutal shootout with the cartel gunman and oh so was he like in the convoy of some sort no no, he's gone. He's he's released. He's chilling. But this guy was just involved in the operation to attempt to arrest oh, him. Oh my goodness. But as as happens with anyone related to El Chapo, right? You d- don't doesn't do go that. to jail actually. Yeah. And the thing, I guess I thought two things were interesting. One is it's incredible that they can do this and will have no repercussions. Like it, it's really hard to say who's running Mexico, between the police or the cartels. Yeah. But it made me very grateful to be in the US. And the second thing, which I thought was fascinating, is Guzman Lopez, the guy they were trying to arrest, is wanted by U.S. authorities on drug trafficking allegations. And that's why this guy was killed. And that's why these cartels have power. And it made me think, why on earth can't we just legalize these substances? Because by saying that we think that having legal centers where marijuana or cocaine can be done in a safe place... We're not going to allow that because of the harm it would cause to the people doing it. Which is debatable, right? Which is I totally debatable because anyone who wants to do cocaine is just going to do it anyway. This Clearly. Is, <laughs> as proved by the <laughs> fact, these cartels have yeah. billions of dollars yeah. from illegal cocaine sales. But in the meantime, the fallout of our government saying, oh, we're not going to legalize these substances is, that, yeah. one, everyone does them anyway. And two, there are billion, 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 billion dollar industry illegal in mexico run by cartels that are mm. murdering people kidnapping people torturing people and we could really minimize their ability to do that if we just made drugs legal because all their, all their money. Money, would go on. Yeah. All the money all they could do then is traffic guns which is a smaller market yeah especially in the u.s because you can just get guns yeah them. yeah yeah so i thought it was interesting because there's second order
2: carnage occurring isn't well what's crazy is that i i guess it's debatable because i i don't know the size of the, of the two things but Normally, you would think of second order as like, oh, the smoker gets the lung cancer, but the second hand smoke gets a little bit, maybe a little yeah, s- yeah. emphysema on rare occasion. I don't know the size of the the drug problem or whatever, but it's like the second order carnage is massive. Yeah. It's not a tiny bit of cough. It's it's multiple countries that have these paramilitary <laughs> forces that's, that for stretches of time run the country. Yeah. And also, just to be clear, everyone
1: from the homeless to the multimillionaire finance guy can get his hands on drugs. Yeah. So I'm not really sure yeah. what we're stopping. What we are doing is
2: incentivizing illegal drug trafficking. Well, so this is, to, we talked about last week, trying to understand how the world works through understanding the business model and asking who profits is, is often a good question. So who profits from making, you, you who profits from making narcotics illegal? I don't totally know the answer. I know some people say Big Pharma. I haven't really investigated it, but- it seems almost. So many people think this. This isn't. This isn't a, a novel take, and I don't think it's a bunch of pearl clutching grandmothers that are stopping us from legalizing these drugs. It seems like there have to be vested financial interests yeah, yeah. in keeping it illegal. Well, we're hitting the point where grandmas were alive in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, are so no longer. <laughs> those pearl clutching grandmas did some drugs. Yeah, yeah, uh, but and also grew up. Some of them in an era of believing that they got out lucky. A lot of them like, oh, I didn't fall into reefer madness. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I did some acid, but luckily I didn't have any horrible, you know, flashbacks and it didn't ruin my life. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot about why <laughs> this is, this isn't more of an issue. Uh, it might be because politicians are old. Maybe, and I think you know the other thing that I've heard. I, I actually haven't heard this from somebody who believes that. I've heard this from sort of mouthpieces on news figures that are like, we don't want to pay for areas where drug users can do drugs. That doesn't go over well with people's sense of where tax money ought to go. Because one of the propositions for this is that you create a safe space yeah. in a pharmacy where drug addicts can go shoot up and, and you're do gonna drugs. Make, you're going to
1: make so much more money on taxing these drugs than you mm-hmm. will on the centers. That's total, That math doesn't work at all. I'm going to sell cocaine legally yeah. and heroin and marijuana, and I'm going to tax them. Mm-hmm. H- how many centers do you think we're going to have? Because yeah. you're going to make so much money for the government that way. It'll be interesting to do see. You know what? Instead of taxing Bill Gates $100 billion, <laughs> like Bernie Sanders said. Well, I want to could, talk about that too. You yeah. could get your $100 billion <sighs> easily
2: yeah. Yeah. by just taxing drugs. Yeah, it seems I I have yet to hear, and I'm open to it, because I, I, with, with these massive world problems, to pretend that I understand the issue from all angles would be absurd. I don't. I have have never heard a compelling argument against the legalization, at the very least, of cocaine, which is driving so much violence in Latin America, uh, and probably a handful of others. And they should be taken on a case-by-case basis. But, yeah, I would recommend don't do cocaine, and I would also say it should be legal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, both of those things are true. Yeah, but don't do it. Cocaine's
1: not that cool. Honestly, I've done it. It's not yeah, that great. I, but... I have not.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. But
1: at the same time, I don't understand why it's illegal, especially because the only argument you could make is it makes people more violent.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But we alcohol. allow alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Look and, at and all the drunk driving accidents, all the bar fights. Yeah. Like If we had a place where with a special license you could do cocaine, but you had to, you had to mark when you did it and, and you, you couldn't you leave off, for like a certain a bar amount, cuts yeah. you off. Yeah. how could this possibly be worse than selling as much alcohol as we possibly
2: can, plus having people do cocaine in the bathroom anyway? Yeah. Uh, it's it's rare that you hear people that really are truly in a shortage of drugs when they're looking for them. You know, on rare occasion, people come up and be like, "Do you have it?" And then within you know, you see they get it out of, <laughs> within 15 minutes. They've tracked yeah. it down. <laughs> it's yeah. So I don't know what problem it solves, but you mentioned the Bernie Sanders tweet. I actually so Bernie Sanders. I'll, I'll read it to you. I think that there's a hot take on this, but I actually think that there's a more interesting angle. So Bernie Sanders put up a tweet that I saw on Reddit, which was, say Bill Gates was actually taxed $100 billion. We could end homelessness and provide safe drinking water to everyone in this country. Bill would still be a multi-billionaire. Our message, the billionaire class cannot have it all when so many have so little. So the hot take is, this is silly. Like, one, Bill Gates doesn't have over $100 billion in liquid assets. If you, <laughs> That's just not how it works. If homelessness were a $100 billion problem... It would be solved already yeah. if, if drinking water. This is a well, fraction. This is less. This is like two percent of the of the yearly expenditure. Yeah, this was my of thing. the government when I saw. First of all, no knock to Bernie. I'm
1: almost positive he didn't write this tweet. This is probably an intern. Well, I want to talk about but why it makes sense. But go ahead. You're part of an institution that has a four point something trillion dollar budget. Mm-hmm. If you think a hundred billion dollars could solve homelessness. And provide Mm. clean water to every American. What are you doing with the four (laughs) points? Pass that bill. You want to be president? Boom. I just figured out how to make you president. Pass this bill. Take whatever small percentage of the budget that is. Cure
2: homelessness and Mm. get everyone clean water. It seems obvious. So what I actually think, and I don't think Bernie believes that. I don't think he thinks that either of those problems are truly solvable with $100 billion of money. If they are, it's incredible that they aren't using their $4 trillion for it. Or, or, yeah, freeing it up from somewhere. What I think he's doing is what Donald Trump did in 2016, which is shoring up his base. And if you if you look back on Donald Trump, the, the statements that he was making when he was running for the Republican candidacy were completely unelectable. Yeah. Like the wall was the, it was the most important thing. And then by the time that he secured that Republican nomination, he became so much more, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to be a wall. It's going <laughs> to be a security system. It's going to be, and he walked everything back. Yeah, of course. And my, not criticism, just my note on Bernie is that in previous elections, he's not been a politician. He's, he's been explaining these complex tax codes. Yeah. He hasn't been shoring up his base. You, you, you will get taxed more. but <laughs> And now he seems to get the unfortunate truth of the medium of these type of elections that are on the news cycle, which is step one, lock up your base, win- secure the nomination with outlandish promises that appeal to the farthest to your side, left well, or right. I consider myself a liberal, and that was an off-putting tweet for me. I saw that one's like, are wow, you voting like in the Democratic primaries? I don't even know when they are. <laughs> okay? Yeah. That's my point. He he is he, I think identified much better than he has in the past who he is speaking to at any given time and who you speak to radically shifts from the primaries to the to the election. So, I don't I looked at that and my first thing was, "Bernie, what do you mean? This doesn't make sense. I expect this. I expect outlandish statements from Trump. I don't expect them as much" from you get ready but i think he's started to identify that if he wants to win he's got to play this game and i see him starting to play the game so uh i don't think he believes this i do think it was a calculated and potentially for him yeah beneficial move to send to send these kinds of messages because right now there's a competition going on in the democratic primary to see who can be the most you know free healthcare free this, like all those sorts of things are huge talking points and and caring for the homeless is I, th- I think another big talking point we could solve this if they just get out of our ways the rich people are are you it's know it's an
1: interesting strategy because there are very few billionaires so at first glance you're like yeah this is going to piss off like 19 people mm-hmm. but historically money has been very important for being elected right yeah. So it's an interesting strategy to just go. I'm going to piss off all the really, really wealthy people, but I'm going to try to make the
2: regular people really like me. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I haven't considered what this means for his finances. Like, you know, who, which super PAC is going to back not away? Good. Well, maybe, maybe he already looked at his donor list in previous years and went, "I don't have it anyway." <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't like, think he does. Yeah. I know uh, all my rich friends think. Yeah. That he's none. They're not, the they're not. They're not going to send me any money. So. So. This is. I, why would I try to cater to them? Yeah. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I play to that? I don't think he, of course, intends to do anything like that. But yeah, it was just interesting. It'd be hilarious okay. if he did though. Instead of having just a universal tax p- yeah. policy, he just goes. Okay, we're gonna write in a law that Bill Gates pays a hundred <laughs> yeah. billion dollars. I kind of, I was. It's like you know, in season whatever five, when Sansa in Game of Thrones walks down the stairs and she's like entered the game. <laughs> this is kind of how I feel about Bernie. Bernie in has his, entered in the his game in his big black dress, looking ominous, like he's ready to play. He's ready to. He's ready to to politic. So poor Bill Gates is over here, like I give all uh, my money away. <laughs> he was an interesting person. I'm
1: trying to cure polio over yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Until Trump had the trade
2: embargo, I was going to build things in other countries. Yeah, nuclear nuclear power plants. Uh, We're going to get that fusion power. So it's a funny billionaire to pick. Yeah, Bill Gates was. But but again, it's uh, I think that was even even on Reddit, who I think is uh, pretty exemplary of not, not the entire Democratic Party, but a portion of the younger Democratic mm-hmm. Party was like, this is kind of a weird person to <laughs> pick. Like you could have there's there's several people that have lots of money, and yeah. and some of them aren't haven't spent the last decade trying to like run nonprofits and, and improve the planet in a major way. So maybe a tactical error. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes for him. See what his poll numbers do. But yeah, so that's all that I brought this week. Did you have anything else? Yeah, sure did. Did you see the YouTube thing? <laughs> yeah, the thing? Yeah, did you see the thing? <laughs> what thing? Uh, YouTube
1: is updating their terms of service on December 10th. Okay. It's a new clause. It says terminations by youtube for service changes youtube may terminate your access or your google account's access to all or part of the service if youtube believes in its sole discretion that provisions of the service to you is no longer commercially viable wow which and one that means they can do it for any reason at all they yeah. can literally just go yeah so if you make content they don't like if you make content that they think makes the platform look bad mm-hmm. they can just be like oh we're going to delete your channel yeah but second if you use ad blocker they can also just go that's weird. It's, you know, I almost just said your email. <laughs> that's weird. This person's Gmail account doesn't generate any ad revenue. Yeah, delete their account. They would, of course, never. Uh, they could because then what you are, what are you going to do? Not use YouTube?
2: You're going to get rid of your ad blocker. All they have to do is threaten it or do it a couple times. Yeah, but that's a terrible long term strategy to to anger that many people. That that would not be worthwhile. To I don't them. know. Uh, I think it's interesting. For any reason at all, they can just get rid of your yeah account. Yeah. What's interesting is ad blocker, unfortunately, and I haven't gone. I have an ad blocker, and I also have a YouTube channel, and I don't intend to use it on YouTube because I actually don't find the current ad system on YouTube horribly invasive. I got ad blocker for the other websites that I was going. I was like, here you go on the left side, on the right side. Did you get a pop up here? It's and and it universally that's the default setting is we block ads, and so I've never actually gone in, and maybe I will because I don't. You know, I'm not trying to. Uh, I don't mind the ads to, to that same degree on YouTube. And in fact, sometimes they're really funny because they're trying to sell me drop shipping or like, <laughs> like whatever thing. And it's always good to stay Some up on Some get rich that. quick scheme. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I don't think they would do that. It is interesting. Is that a problem though? I mean, I kind of, yeah, YouTube can kick me off for whatever reason they want. And I would be angry. I'd be horribly angry and unjust and upset and, and pissed. But like, I don't, I don't own YouTube. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Well, I'm that's there kind of, by their good graces. Yes, and I think that's the thing. It's recognizing
1: that YouTube and Google in general, are, they're commercial entities. Yeah. You know, pe- People, I think, used to, myself included, think of Google as this magnanimous yeah. search engine that allowed you to peruse the internet. And it's not. It's business. And so what YouTube's saying is we're also a business. And not only can we control what you go to and funnel you towards videos that make us more money, but we can kick you out or delete channels or do anything that we want that's good for our business. And I think people are just recognizing
2: interesting. that this is not a service for you. <laughs> I wonder if this was a response to the Carlos Maza, Stephen Crowder thing, which is there was all this argument over, is this hate, does this does this breach our policy, which was vague in its first place? And oh, should he? And it's like, if we feel like it, yes, we're going to get rid of you. That's that's exactly what it lets them do. Yeah. It lets them go, ah, terms of service, I don't care. I think yeah. you're bad for our bottom line. Interesting. It's kind of like the parent who like sets up house rules and then finds themselves arguing with the kid and just goes, do it because I said so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it like, is. Like, I'm in charge. Uh, I regret having written these rules, which you can argue with me about yeah. at this point. No, I think that's what it is. I think
1: it's they want to be able to kick off any creator that they want, and they mm-hmm. don't want to have to reference the terms of service or debate
2: if it's free speech or yeah, if it's yeah. hate speech or what the... They just want to go, no, we think you're bad for business. Well... I, I find that interesting because I know that one of the reasons that they didn't want to do that is because they were in contention. They wanted to be considered, there's a, di- there's a distinction with the FTC, I believe, between a platform uh, for communication and uh, like a regular company, I don't know what the other term is, but in the way that it's regulated. Because if you if you can kick anybody off, you might open yourself up to assume liability for the content of that platform like oh well you have like you can kick anybody off right uh, you're not an advocate of free speech so when somebody puts up this video we now hold you liable for whatever horrible thing was done or said mm-hmm. in that video uh, and I know that was one of the reasons that in a lot of these debates they've been saying no we're just a platform we're just a publisher that's what it is we're just a publisher we, we allow people to put their own things on there and we should be regulated in this specific way I wonder if this'll backfire and be like, okay, YouTube, like you want to be in charge of what's on YouTube. Uh welcome to liability for what's on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know. Uh interesting though. Still appreciate YouTube for my livelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do we I don't even I don't think we are. Uh they get it from both sides so bad. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So uh, yeah, thanks, YouTube. <laughs> I'm thanks for existing and feeling yeah. all the headache of everybody yeah. hating every change you make. Yeah, if I if I felt that they were awful, I would, for my own self-preservation, probably try to get us off there pretty quick. I do have obvious faith in, in their decision-making, at least as, as it regards us. But, yeah, who knows, man? <laughs> they could start <laughs> cleaning everything out that they don't like. I, I find that doubtful, though. But we'll see. We'll see. Anything else? Yeah, you want to talk about the animal abuse federal law or just
1: pass on that one? I don't know much about it. I mean, you can mention it. So this, yeah, your brother pointed this out to me. There was a federal law passed that basically makes animal abuse a federal crime, whereas before it was a state-by-state crime and each state could have their own rules. And your brother brought it up to me because we always talk about how the definition of animal is a weird one when it comes to these kind of laws. And it's fascinating because it says that animal abuse is federal crime and it can result in prison time and all this. And it defines what abuse is, which is the maiming of animals, the crushing of animals, the burning of animals, the mutilation of animals. And I'm for this law, just to make sure that everybody is aware of that. I think it's great. The thing that's interesting was the people who voted on it have quotes like, this is a huge win for the country and it's getting bipartisan support because as a country, we love animals. And I went... We love some animals, yeah, yeah. Mostly dogs and cats. Yeah. That's basically it. And there's just a bunch of quotes of this, you know. Oh, people, people who do who mistreat animals are monsters. Wow.
2: Okay. Do people do people really? Be- they they don't have the thought occur to them that they just ate a steak, right? That doesn't occur to them. This is what I thought was interesting. They define
1: animals pretty specifically as pets. Uh. And so, that's my only take. I think it's a great law, but I thought it was interesting because. If you tase your cat, yeah. you should go to jail according to this law. And I'm not pro-tasing cats. I think that, yeah. that's great. <laughs> but if you have a cow and you tase it and then you beat it and then you shock it to try to put it to <laughs> sleep, yeah. but it doesn't pass out, yeah. but you go, well, it's too late. We're on the factory line. Keep it going forward. And then while it's awake, you dismember it. You yeah. cut off its legs and then it's this and then it's that. As long as you eat it, it's not animal abuse. So, weirdly enough, if you want to be, if you want to abuse animals, you just have to eat them afterwards. And I think you're in the clear.
2: Well, it's not, because here's the truth is that this law is hiding the fact that there is no principled action. There is no principle behind what we do. It's based purely on culture, and that makes me feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. There is no principle that says, if, if I have a pig as a pet and I tase it, I go to jail. Mm-hmm. But if you tase a pig in a thing to move it along towards the slaughterhouse, that's good business practice. Mm-hmm. It, and it's, it's written into the law, by the way, explicitly. Yeah. It says except for, I forget the, the language, except for the meat industry. Well, what's interesting is that it's, it's not an animal abuse law, it seems to be a pet abuse law. Mm-hmm. Because if I have a pig and you come and you kick my pig or are mean to my pig, we can be eating hot dogs at that very moment and you will go to jail. You sure. can run a slaughterhouse, sure. but you will go to jail for kicking the pig, not for running the slaughterhouse yes. where, where that day, God knows how many, were mutilated in all sorts of ways. It's The lack of principle there is astounding. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm sure there's tons of areas in life that are like this, but this one just screams so loud. Uh, just called a pet abuse law. And I guess what they're saying if, if you wanted to f- draw a principle is that it doesn't uh, count as an animal if we eat it what it says is that animals are commodities and they're property and if someone owns that animal you, you've harmed them <laughs> you know what i mean but i guess even no no because i can own you, a dog you, you, yeah there could be a street dog that you put into a fight and all of a sudden that's that or i can if i own my own dog and i yeah. abuse my dog it's so it's not quite so sometimes yeah so it's 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 not that they're property it's, it's that if you un- eat it i'm telling you it's if you eat it <laughs> so if you michael vick could have eaten those dogs that's not definitely going to not the case <laughs> it is interesting because what this really seems to crack down on is low income uh dog fights cock fights all that sort of thing while allowing for the wide-scale abuse of animals by people who can afford to eat meat which are predominantly people that can spend more money so I mean, seems... I'm
1: actually, to be clear, I'm super on board with the law. I just think it should then apply to farming. And you. I'm even going to go and say you can kill animals to eat them. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not super sound on my argument against it. Mm-hmm. So you can kill animals to eat them. You just can't abuse them first. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. we'll find definitions for that. But for instance. But it's the same as what would apply in your home. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So it should
1: be able to walk around for the first time however many and, years and it's you alive. would have
2: i guess because here's the thing clearly killing it is abusing it but you would have a sphere of law that is okay within the, this timeline when you're killing it you're allowed to be if you're gonna eat it you can kill it if you're gonna eat it you can kill it well how can well but you're abusing it at that point so no that's not that's the exemption that's the exemption you would put into the law okay but so that cow has to get on a conveyor belt you know what I mean? It's got to be scared. It's got to be potentially prodded. Is well, that... dogs are scared all the time. My dog gets scared when okay, so, a truck so goes by. You... It's not abusive. I, and again, I know the... you're not writing the law, but can you? this is the problem. Can you prod? Can you use a cattle prod to get it to move into the slaughterhouse where it hears all these cows screaming? I don't know. Well, that would be abusive if it were out in the field if you cattle prodded it. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is you... Maybe you got to lure it with food. <laughs> you got you to lure you gotta it with food. you got to get its permission. <laughs> gotcha. I, I think this is the problem. You can't kill something without abusing it you just no, can't. you can. You just walk out into the field and shoot it. Is that abusing it? <laughs> well, sure, but I'm saying if you if you exclude the murder of it, you don't. How do you need exclude it? the murder of it? <laughs>
1: How can you? Well, now you can't eat meat. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying we could even allow
2: the eating of meat. Let's baby step this. Let's just get rid of the you torturous would, life thing. Sure, sure. You would still really lack any sort of principled decision making, which is fine because because I think that that. My life lacks principal decision making all the time, right? Uh, but yeah, it's it's a definite philosophical problem to try to square caring for animals with participating in slaughterhouses, eating them in any yeah. in any yeah, slaughterhouses.
1: No, I just thought it was interesting. This this guy's and I don't knock him. It's it's a great bill to vote for. I'm sure because yeah. it's a good cause and it makes you look good. But it's just on record. This is a country that loves the animals.
2: Yeah. That's a politician. And and whether he believes it, I don't know, but certainly that's a smart thing to say because Yeah, that's most what people we are gonna hear. go, I do love animals. That's what we want to hear. I love my dog. Here's a photo of him, you know? You yeah. wanna see ten more photos? Like, no, I don't want to see more <laughs> photos of your dog. <laughs> people do that to you? No. Nah. No, yeah, I'm sure this has happened where they're like, "Oh, I'm walking my dog. Like, what kind of dog is it?" I was like, "Oh, he's a mini poodle." He's like, "Oh, here's mine." No, <laughs> like, no one does that. Doesn't happen. No. Yeah, they. I get. I get the. Uh, no one's show me the photo. Thank you. Thank you for a picture of your dog. Maybe
1: it's because your dog is calm, so they have time to do that. They yeah. don't have time to do that. My dog is either me training it or it's going bananas because it's so excited to meet a person. So yeah. they don't have time to reach their phone. They're too busy being jumped on. <laughs>
2: this is totally random and do you have anything else yeah but fire away i just i saw uh because i was considering adopting a cat i've got a small apartment yeah yeah, this yeah, is yeah. A terrible idea it was a terrible idea Um, it's not, i was watching it <laughs> it's not over yet to be clear no really yeah still a terrible idea here's why it might not be okay because there is a 500 hundred dollar auto kitty poop cleaner that looks like a it's been a long time. Have you seen Men in, you remember Men in Black when Will Smith sits in that awkward chair? In that it's scene? an egg. The egg. Yeah. It looks like the egg. Iconic scene. Yes. The cat goes into the egg, yeah. poops, like whirling things, like scoop the poot, separate it from the, the thing and yeah. store it for a week in a like odor containing thing. Yeah. So all That's of a awesome. sudden.
1: Can I level with you? Yeah. That's
2: not why I think the cat's a bad idea. But it I think the cat like is a bad poop. idea because you will never sleep because your dog will be amped all the time no they'll, they'll love they'll, they'll settle down like my dog gets amped when your dog shows up but doesn't care because we have two dogs that the other dog is there they would they would find a peaceable solution where you are right is that cats are nocturnal and my dog likes to wake up early <laughs> yo i fostered a cat you remember this yeah. i
1: fostered a cat because i grew up with cats and i was like oh pet cat would be amazing yeah. when you have a house totally fine Run around yeah those things don't sleep. They do not sleep, and at four in the morning, it would just be running around yeah. in my one-bedroom apartment, and then it would just go. Whoa, whoa, and I'd yeah. just be
2: laying in bed like, oh my god. Yeah, someone please adopt this foster cat. I would take it, and that's the thing. I could do one or the other, dog or cat, because it's like, all right, I can, I could take you interrupting my sleep, but I get to sleep in in the morning. Yeah. But then in, my dog wants to get up and go out, and he's yeah. on my face and scratching me. So no,
1: I didn't realize as a kid. I guess it just didn't matter because the house was so big, I couldn't mm-hmm. hear it.
2: It didn't occur to me that cats are nightmares from like 2 to 6 a.m. Yeah. I love this cat. I'm going to adopt him. I don't care what anyone says. I don't, I don't even care what I think. I don't even care what I think. Uh,
1: all right. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. So, we were talking about uh, last night at dinner, the fact that we're hiring someone to, to hopefully write charisma scripts. Yes.
2: Right? Yes. And we've been working on this. So, I've Ben wrote a couple of scripts. Uh, he did the Thor one. He did that's the only one we Rick and mention. Morty. He did a handful of them. He did the Floyd Connor. We've, we've made some bad predictions. <laughs> we, we said, Connor w- McGregor is going to win every fight. <laughs> I said it? might win. I, I, audible at the last minute. I wasn't feeling confident. Um, changed it to might win or could yeah. win. So Ben, Ben made a handful of the videos. I've made a lot of the videos. And in the last six months, I've started to get help researching, which was really nice. But then I was like, okay, I wonder if someone can help me research. I wonder if I can be involved sort of as an advisor role, uh, and somebody else can do the writing of the script. And I'll be like, ah, here's an interesting point. Here's an interesting point. But also this person would need to find interesting points on their own. So just that's the background is what sure. we've been trying to do. And one of the things that we realized is this
1: person is they're very smart. They're very hardworking. <laughs> they write very well. But they don't have the same handle on charisma. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to train them on how to be a better writer. I'm going to start training them on how to learn charisma. Yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk on the podcast about how do you learn
2: charisma as quickly as possible? (laughs) Because I need this guy to learn charisma as quickly as possible. Yeah. So the first thing that we we discussed last night, which I'm sure of, is this can't be simply an intellectual exercise. I think some of the, since we've been working with writers, it's, a thought process, which is important, where you experiment in your mind and you go, oh, what would happen if this person had done this? Or what would happen if they did the opposite? But what is critical is that you take some of those hypotheses out into the real world in your life and see how they apply. Mm-hmm. Because what is occurring on Graham Norton's show is not going to port one-for-one one exactly to every situation that you're going to encounter in the office. So that's the first thing, is to come up with hypotheses by watching your friends, family, other people who are charismatic, like, oh... I think his stories are good because when he's talking, he takes a really deep breath before he hits that main point. I'll try doing that in my life. I'll see if it works for me. Mm-hmm. So testing, that's one thing that, that definitely needs to happen. Yeah. So the,
1: I think one step up before that is being aware of your own reactions to people and who makes a charismatic impression on you, mm-hmm. good or bad. Because first you have to come up with what am I going to test, right? So one way you can do that is watch our videos. But another way is you can just be aware in your own life Pay attention to the moments that you really like someone, that somebody makes you in awe of them or that someone pisses you off, makes you uncomfortable, makes you feel creeped out and note what that person did. Try to play the scene back in your head because that's what we did. We didn't have money, charisma breakdowns to watch, right? But what we could do is just watch charismatic people and when they get a big laugh or when we would go, oh my God, I really like this person. You stop and you think, what are they doing Mm -hmm. that makes me really like them? So we have a neighbor, Grant's roommate, who I really like, even though I've never really spent much time with. And I realized it's because whenever the elevator's closing or whenever we're going our separate ways, he stops what he's doing for 15 seconds to finish our conversation. It makes me feel like he's genuinely interested. And I thought, oh my God, I really like this guy. Why? And then that's my hypothesis. And then I can do what you said and go test it in my own life and see how it goes. So yeah, I think that that self-awareness of your own reactions to people can be really helpful.
2: And that's a great point. And that's something that you'll never see on the Graham Norton show because you don't ride in elevators on the (laughs) Graham Norton show, but that's, yeah, that's, that's just an excellent point. The other thing that really helped you and I was having one another. And I think I just can't skip that. (laughs) The, I don't feel that way. (laughs) You know, I've kind of got it (laughs) on my own. The ability to, to bounce that idea off of me and then have me go, Oh, wow, that, relates to this thing that I experience in work but mm-hmm. it doesn't work in XYZ scenario super super useful so can't can't overlook that anything yeah, yeah. else? Yes
1: don't try to do everything at once ah. so I think this is why this is why in Charisma University there's one daily action per day I think there's with our YouTube channel there can be a sense of this is really fun to watch I'm gonna watch six videos mm-hmm. and then you go out into the world and you go okay I'm gonna touch like Chris Hemsworth I'm gonna make <laughs> eye contact like Tom Holland I'm gonna tell stories like Kevin Hart and it's overwhelming. Yeah. And I know what we did is we just went, all right, today, all I'm going to do is try to make eye contact with people. I don't have to speak. I don't have to be funny. I don't have to do anything but look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. And you do that for one day or three days or however long it takes to feel comfortable. And then you go, okay, now that is kind of an unthinking habit. Now I can focus on storytelling. Yep. And I think that way it's not so overwhelming. And weirdly enough, you'll get... Good much faster yeah. by only focusing
2: on one thing at a time. Yeah. Totally. That's that's huge. And even within one video there's five points. Yeah. Pick one of them. You yeah. know? the videos have five points to be entertainment, but you gotta pick one thing to do. And then one way to pick the things is that I that I get to do as a job, which is really nice, is to pick someone who you consider sort of a charisma icon, someone that you like yep. and and do that watching of a handful of their videos or even just 5 to 10 minutes in the morning. So I when I want to be funny, I watch The Best of Step Brothers because I like Will Ferrell's <laughs> nice. sense of humor in that and I just steal his jokes or I'll watch Chris Pratt. And 5 to 10 minutes before you go somewhere really does drive home the mentality and then you pick one concrete thing to add to that so you have this under this underlying willingness to be absurd to uh, just have fun in the moment and then you add on top of that okay I'm going to spice these jokes up with one particular thing I'm going to double down in there mm-hmm. and then if you do that for a handful of days you're like okay I'm starting to develop that skill now it's time to move on to something else and I think that that would be the way that I would recommend that most people use our channel to go about learning it as fast as they can yeah for sure when I wanted to be more playful I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine 20, uh,
1: 20 minute episodes yeah one a day incredibly helpful it just incepts you yeah you, you almost can't help but start to be like the people that you're watching totally there's also why it's really dangerous to watch macabre or <laughs> watch characters who are dicks yeah. for too long because you really
2: can't it, it is inception you don't get to ignore it it's like hypnosis yeah and then you wind up being sarcastic because that works for this character in this yeah. particular role and you're like oh what do you know like the good hypothesis to have tested in the real world because people don't really like it when I one-up everything they say with my incredibly awesome zinger. Yeah. Like, there's not a laugh track. This doesn't work the same way it does in that particular TV show. So yeah, so uh, good luck teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, it's been interesting to do a meta-analysis of what is going on as I look at these things and yeah. also to, to meta-analyze what we've been doing for 10 years which was we were analyzing people, and now I'm analyzing myself as I analyze those people to try to find where we got most of our wins from. Uh, it's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, it sounds confusing. One day, I wonder if it'd be interesting. I don't. I don't know if it'd be cool for the main channel to to talk through the process of making one of these charisma breakdowns. It might be a sort of a niche audience thing. Maybe I maybe, bet people would be interested in it. Perhaps on the podcast, I can I can discuss it in greater detail because it does get it gets to nitty gritty, and once you see how the sausage is made, you're like kind of just wanted to eat the hot dog i just want to watch <laughs> yeah i just want to watch your peaky blindness break yeah down exactly too. i don't need to know i don't need to know why, why like, this took 30 hours exactly and the time stance that you wrote and the, all the points that didn't make it in and like yeah, yeah it's not as it's not as in- fun and interesting as the final video yeah, works yeah. out but i do enjoy it a lot so Dude, can I, if it's the right person if it's the right person go ahead
1: hard tangent are you ready for a new topic? Absolutely. So this this is always something that makes me laugh. So someone in the comments of one of our videos—I don't even remember which one—I know I got to stop reading the comments, but get out of there. I know. I will. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, they were like, "If you really wanted to help people, you wouldn't you wouldn't charge for your program."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I don't think that person realizes is that every week, your full time job is to make free content, and you've been doing it for 300 videos. It's like. Dude, do you know how many hours have gone into helping people for free? Yeah. It's so many.
2: And to be clear, the ad revenue uh, now is now is substantial at our size. But for over a year was not nearly enough for one of us to
0: – yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, unless yeah.
2: you're getting millions of views a month, uh, you you are not – you're not making it on ad revenue. No, and you got to have incredible scale. I just thought it was interesting because there's this mindset. I think it's a very –
1: Fringe minority mindset of if you charge for anything, Mm -hmm. you are evil. Yeah. If you have information that you put into a a program that's laid out for people in a course, then you're a hypocrite. And I just find that so fascinating because no one has to buy it. They only have to buy it if they like us and they want to get better at being charismatic. But there is hours of free content out in the world. And the person who wrote this comment also does something that they wouldn't do, (laughs) that they do something that they demand payment for, right? They don't volunteer at their job. They do something where they demand payment. And I just think it's such an interesting mindset that for some reason, people, they view themselves as this one thing and then us as this other thing. And they go, oh, most of the work that you do every single week, you give to me for free. But this one thing that you spent months making, you ask for money for, you're a dick. And I just thought that was a really interesting mindset for someone who I'm sure has yeah, a job. Yeah.
2: But it's also, I mean, just to be clear, I, I think it's so fringe that it's, yeah, yeah. It's well, almost it's like the guy outside who's yelling that the sky is falling. That's an interesting mindset too. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that this is, this is why I don't recommend reading the comments. Cause you think that this is a more common mindset than it is. Uh, you think it, you think it deserves more attention than I think it does. And while you make eloquent points in response, uh, I don't know that this (laughs) merits it. I don't know. I saw it on Reddit a lot when we were coming up.
1: Sure. We would write blog posts that were completely free. And then we go, hey, I just spent... That's fair. I I remember that. I just spent three days writing this. I edited it. I sent it to other people to see if it was good. Do you want to buy my book? By the way... No, not even do you want to buy my book. By the way, it's on a topic that fits the subreddit, and I'm linking to it. Mm -hmm. Not what you want to buy my book. Just like, hey, I wrote this article. It's about social skills. I thought you guys would like it. And people be like, oh, he's promoting his own work. I'm like, but it's free. And I spent three days writing it because I think it'll it's good and it'll help you in this thing you
2: want help with. Reddit has this weird assumption that that self-promotion is bad. And really, I don't... What that means is that the only things that can get promoted are already popular, which is like mainstream actors and movies, which weirdly enough is in other sectors of, of Reddit. We don't like this whole corporate thing. But who else could possibly promote some some guy's blog who's just starting out? Yeah, if I have a website that 300 people have <laughs> ever been to in the yeah. last year. Who he, else could possibly promote it? Yeah. And weirdly enough, once you make it, then, yeah, you don't have to worry about putting your stuff out there because other people will yeah, see it. Yeah, now we don't post our own stuff. But, but uh, you know, there was – I do remember this this anti-self-promotion mentality, which I, I didn't understand. Uh, I get why you wouldn't want someone to post a link to a sales page. That makes sense to me. But – that 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 someone shouldn't share content that they made because it was tangentially related to a to financial interest i that that was weird to me yeah yeah can i you're gonna hate this but it's more Mm. it's more comments oh my gosh You gotta get out no no listen it's great though
1: so now it's awesome now people do post our stuff to reddit which i appreciate thank you guys for spreading our videos and i've gone and i've looked at some of our videos and there'll be comments it's not us posting it and we go yeah way to post your own video thanks for posting your own video like just all this hate i'm like
2: it's not us man Uh, whoever it is is just a person that wants you to see this because they think it's good yeah so this is the lesson that is very important i'll say it again you you don't want to know that that exists because and and to tie this back to other people we get the question you know why do i focus on the negative why do i like how many comments did you read i don't know i responded to a lot of them dozens dozens which ones do you remember best Someone said I look like if Ryan Reynolds and Ben Affleck Fair had a enough. baby. Fair enough. One, one hyper I really appreciated that because I love <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. So thank you for that. So one hyper-specific compliment, mm-hmm. but also uh, every accusation of, of negativity probably yeah. sticks with you. It's you. I think you have to recognize that the human brain is not built for the internet age. And that means that, that you can't engage, especially as a creator of any size, in the comments section – in a human way because criticism prior to the internet was coming from people who knew you typically had context around your life and what you were doing and also had to overcome the social hurdle of telling you this difficult thing so when you received it it rightly received some of your attention doesn't mean it was always true in those bygone days but it was worthy of thinking about because of how it was generated Mm -hmm. and so your mind focuses on it right today, <laughs> none of those things have to be true in the comments section. So this is my, this is my They're hijacking your brain. No, friend. I know, but I like, I like to engage with the people that watch the
1: podcast. Totally. So and I don't, I, look, I, at, I I don't look at the main channel comments, but I I'd that. like to get on the podcast comments. And when there's 50 comments, which is enough for me to read in yeah. an hour and I can respond to 15 of them. I really enjoy that actually. Yeah, me too. And so that's what I've been doing. But I can't. I guess I could get someone else to go in there and like screen the comments for me. I like that it's from me. I like that it's not from the channel. Totally, Ben Altman. It's really me writing. I miss that. It's not the Charlie and Ben podcast responding, right? Which would be someone. Maybe I could dictate to. So that's what I'm torn about because I agree you don't want you don't want the negative comments in there. But I like that there's fans of ours who who like what we say, who say nice things, and I get back and I go, Hey, this is really me, and I really appreciate this, and thank
2: you. You know, thanks for watching, and thanks for the comment. So. Absolutely. No, I miss that. And I don't have a solution that gets me both, really. I, I, not just the nice comments, the thoughtful ones, mm-hmm. the, uh, the ability to create a dialogue. I, I miss that to a degree. And, and there's, there's other reasons other than just dealing with upsetting comments that you don't necessarily want to engage in it. One is uh, the talk around your creation can get in the way of continuing to create. And so it becomes more about the reception of what you're doing than mm. the doing of what you're doing. And and at our, you know we could comment and go back and forth all sides, talking about what we'd said, or we could or we could move on and allow the conversation to be had by other people. Uh, but I miss that. I totally I totally understand where you're coming from. That's it was not easy for me to disconnect for partially for that reason. Um, but I mostly have and and I don't have an elegant solution unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. The podcast is my chance. The podcast is my small little domain where people can call in and maybe I just give somebody that's on our team that I trust access to my account and then have them come to me with comments well angel brings us interesting questions which i'm really grateful for i love that there's at least a small degree of interactivity with what we're doing so like well it's more acknowledging the nice things yeah which i like doing Um, i I appreciate that i genuinely appreciate that people write nice things well just so you understand this you know the human brain isn't equipped for the internet like there's too many people saying nice things for you to acknowledge them them all yeah and it's it's A really nice gesture and thoughtful but that's that is a person-to-person gesture which is when someone says nice something nice you acknowledge them that's a great piece of advice for for moving through the world it doesn't it can't work on the internet it doesn't scale oh we can figure it out off air well, I'll tell you. I think the difference between me and you is two or three years of of doing this in a in a yeah, more sure. closely tied way, and so I can give you a, a preview of what's coming. The podcast is still small enough that you can you can reasonably read all the comments and think and acknowledge. It's a lot, but you could do it. If things go well, it will no longer be the case, and it will the the the, the mean ones will overrun you, the kind ones will overrun you, the thoughtful ones will overrun yeah. you, and uh, it's a, I guess it's a good thing. You know, it's a good problem to have. So. That's why I want to have people call in and do questions. Speaking of which, anything else? No, well, let me see. Don't let me rush you. Uh, this is just
1: a quick one. This is just advice for people. <laughs> so we have a guy that lives in Argentina. We wanted to pay him because he works for us. Yeah. And I sent him money and his bank said, oh, we can't find that money. That money's lost. No. Can you have them resend money with it? and then – be more careful with the tracking code. You're they up, kidding me. They screwed up the tracking code, and that's why we can't find the money. And so can you have them resend it, and then we'll figure this out? No, this really happened, yeah. I love your shocked face right now. Uh, so I wrote back to him. I said, hey, I think this is an attempt- uh, Sorry, I'm having a hard time. I think this is an attempt by the bank to keep it's, the money. Yeah, of course. And you should go to them. and I sent
2: it via Western Union. I didn't invent
1: a tracking code. Well, I, we sent it from Bank of America.
2: Oh my God! You're kidding. No.
1: And I said, I said, hey, you should go to the bank and tell them. If you can't find this money, I'm going to take all my money out. I'm going to go to a different bank because these people are going to send me a larger sum than this every month. And if I can't count on you reliably to receive it, then I'm out. That same day, our money turned up, <laughs> and they they wrote the guy oh my and they said, God. Oh, we found it. Uh, it's been put into your account.
2: Yeah uh can i give one other piece of advice Sure. take all of your money out of that bank yeah. and i'll talk to them oh what do they what do they they're just gonna do this with a larger sum you have to get out of that bank so i think this is something people don't
1: necessarily realize big corporations a lot of times more is negotiable than you think so when a bank has an overdraw fee you call them you say you want them to remove it and sometimes they do cell phone has a late payment fee you ask them to remove it. Sometimes they do. Your bank says, oh, we can't find that money. You go, if you don't, I'm out of here.
2: What do you know? They find your money. So yeah, a lot of times. Oh, well, I'm wondering if this was one corrupt person trying to steal. No, I think this- it's institutional. Dude, how does the institution lose? I mean, this no, is they don't lose. wire they- transfer. This is, this oh, is yeah, as, I think, as I think automated have- as it could be. No, I think they have an account full of money that they keep. <laughs> okay, uh, we got to talk to him. He, he can't. I'm not sending. We can't send any more money to that bank. Okay. If if dude, if somebody, if a contractor pulled this, would you continue to work? with No, them no. The next I'm with month?
1: you. I lo- I really hope we
2: flash while I'm talking to some of your expressions. I'm mortified. It's been incredible. I'm mortified. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I. I mean, I, I. I. get that people steal. And I guess I shouldn't be like that. That an institution as large as a bank to own to not, when they steal, it's like we got bailed out. You know what I mean? It's not. I went to this one guy and told him I didn't have his money. Mm-hmm. That's insane. You have one job. Holy cow. I'm I'm blown away. Yeah, you're lit about this. I also, I wondered, I'd have to talk to him if this is like a common thing in Argentina or at least, because if that happened in America, somebody told me this story about Wells Fargo or whatever, I'd be like, I've never heard of anybody losing track of money ever. I,
1: th- I don't think this is the first time this has happened to me. Maybe that's why I knew that he had to go talk to the bank.
2: Well, it- you, it's with you. It's always overdraft, though, or not overdraft. No, no, no. I've
1: sent. I have sent people money before, or people have sent me money, and then the bank said, "Oh, we don't know. We don't really? know." Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'm overreacting. Well, I think I could have been sending it to another foreign bank. Maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, oh wow!
2: If, if I am overreacting,
1: let me know. If this is a no, no problem. I think it, I think it's just a lot of. I think it's just a lot of foreign transactions. The bank can try to steal your money and tell you that
2: there was an issue that wasn't their fault. All right. And then it's up to you to go. I'm going to give him a call. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get money out of there, like stat. What else do we have? Anything else? That was it. That was my last one. So anyway, if a big institution is screwing you, push back. Threaten to take your money out. Well, what you did that was smart, and I just want to highlight this because we talked about this, I think, in the Tommy Shelby video, is you could have gone, hey, this isn't fair. This isn't nice. This isn't. And what you instantly and reflexively did, because you've been good at this since you were ten years old, was said, "What do they care about?" And you said, "Tell them, I'm going to be getting more money mm-hmm. in the future, and I'm going to take what is already in there out." If you don't find this, you did not appeal for a second to integrity, their, no. their kindness, their integrity. Uh, e- you know, even registering a complaint is like that's that would just be a cherry on top of taking the money. Out. No, no. My thought was banks make money. People don't realize banks
1: make money by you giving them your money because then they take your money and yeah, they yeah. invest it.
2: You hit them in their self-interest. Which and I, is... Yeah. I
1: said, okay, cool. I'm going to take all of my money out mm-hmm. and I'm not going to send any more money here. Yeah. Or you can find this money, in which case you'll continue to make money off of my money, which will grow.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's that's how you persuade a bank. You mm-hmm. don't get on. You don't yell at a customer service rep. You don't, especially a customer service rep. Now you're just ruining their day and they yeah, yeah. have limited power. You calmly threaten their self-interest in a ethical way in a way that's like i'm not going to work with you anymore and and you'll do this or like i'm not going to work with you i'm going to make sure that my family who you could check out their last name they also remove that whatever it is um good job so yeah (laughs) we got the money gosh that's so upsetting all right what else do we have angel i guess i should say he got his money yeah yeah uh, the first thing that I have is
4: that there's going to be a new movie coming out about the Vietnam War called Finding Jack, and it's going to be starring the late James Dean. Uh, the production company who's making it is going to be using CGI uh, to resurrect him from the dead. And this has it, it's not a case of like James Dean is in like he doesn't exist in this. film. He's just an actor playing a fictional role <laughs> and it's the most bizarre, and obviously it's awesome. Hollywood people are not happy about it. And so a lot just to be clear, it's not about James Dean. They just wanted James Dean
1: to play on Solo. Guy. They just, like, casted him in a role. Dude, this has got to be so—I know why actors are upset about this. Because if his estate agreed to it,
2: we might not need actors anymore. We might just be able to have <laughs> CGI dead actors. Well, somebody's—well, you know what's interesting? This is a fascinating Question in terms of a power dynamic, if this worked and the public accepted it, which I doubt they would. Oh, it depends. If it's good, I don't think anyone's going to. Well, care. well. So Transformers already did this. What Transformers proved is that look, Shia, show up or don't show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Megan, whatever. Uh, the star of the show is the explosions, and it's Bumblebee. It's Bumblebee, and the cost of of these things is only going down. Right mm-hmm. at the first the first time we did a huge giant CGI car. That was very expensive. But we're getting better and better at making this cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And we can replace you with Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg can be replaced with someone else. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're disposable. And if that's where this moves to what they're saying is like, look, every handsome guy is just going to be James Dean from now on. Yeah. And we're going to get – we need somebody to do the facial expressions. But guess what? That could be anyone. That could be any yeah, you just wear one of those actor, suits with the dots. Yep, off the street. that can act pretty well. Yeah can now be James Dean. That's I don't think that's necessarily why they're totally upset. I don't know that they're looking at the to, the long game to that degree because I don't I think there's a lot of things that might stop this from happening like audiences not constantly wanting dead people to be <laughs> their their stars of the day. But that's fascinating. That's super interesting to think about that. Yeah. People are really upset but his his estate did greenlight it. Yeah, they're like would you like some money mm-hmm. and they're like why not? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Can you read the Chris Evans quote? Because I thought that was interesting. I was just about to say I have a Chris Evans tweet right here.
4: Uh, This is awful. Maybe we can get a computer to paint us a new Picasso or write a couple of new John Lennon tunes. The complete lack of understanding here is shameful. I mean, that's not really an argument. I thought it was interesting because I – really like
2: Chris, but I don't – Love Chris Evans.
1: We are going to have computers painting Picassos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: that's going to happen too. Yeah, I don't understand what the criticism – I mean, that seems – Without the first and last sentence, it's just like maybe we can have a computer painting a capasso or yeah. creating new Beatles songs. Like that's we also we going will have we will have computers writing music if yeah. we don't already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if we already have melodies being written by AI. We do. I mean, so you know, in this club, I'm not even gonna hum it because. Oh yeah, we'll ours, get- Mikey got demonetized for humming a song. I love this. Uh, our friend, and if you don't know the
1: story, our friend hummed. 10 seconds of a song in one of her 20 minute
4: videos and
1: all of her ad revenue got taken by copyright by Uh, the people that own that song.
4: Well, so you said maybe we already have computers writing songs. I can attest to, I'm a lyricist, but I don't actually write music. Mm -hmm. So when I need to write music, I just use the computer. I I enter uh, some chords that I'm interested in. I have the computer um, automatically make a melody out of it. And then I write lyrics to that melody.
2: This is what's crazy is, is there were bands that did this. Rush was very technically into music theory. There's creativity and expression, but music has structure and rules. And mm-hmm. when you're in a particular key, there's only, a, there's only so much you can do within that key. And there's known relationships between every note in that key. It's like, you want to make this happy? Like, ba-da-da. You want to make this a little bit funky? We could do that as well. So what I, what I was saying, though, is Love in This Club is a garage band track and i don't just mean he built it on garageband i mean it's a uh like a regular like a, preset. a preset that i i want to do it but it's just because it's so incredibly basic but that's the song it was yeah. it was built a garageband that's what it has uh computers are writing songs with input from humans yeah yeah exactly it's just going to get less and less and less and less so i yeah i that's I, I why think... i thought that goes interesting it's like that's the direction it's going yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that if, is you've you... correctly identified the future <laughs> yeah if you take away your your frustration in the first and last sentences it just sounds like a suggestion <laughs> for yeah. something that's happening. But I still admire your charisma. Yeah. Oh, you are hyper charismatic. Please come on the show. <laughs> Please come on the show. Those guys, the Marvel guys are insane, man. They did a really good job, I think, of <sighs> casting people that are charismatic. I mean, and I guess DC, no, DC has it too. Margot Robbie's charismatic. Will Smith is charismatic. I guess for other reasons, it just didn't
1: work out. I'm not going to name names cuz I don't want to go bad on people, but I've tried to do breakdowns of a couple of people that are
2: in the DC world and it was tough. Okay, I know what you're thinking about. Yeah. Uh fair enough. And also the other the other thing that that hasn't happened as well is the Star Wars universe. Like I've I've looked into some of the actors there uh and they're just they're just harder to do. Mm-hmm. Uh less to learn the new ones. Less the, to learn. yeah, the new ones are are trickier, but the the, the Marvel cast made it so easy. Yeah, It was great. just like all right, I'm done. Like, you, I, I could go too long with, with any of you guys. So anyway, Chris, I know you're watching this. Yeah. Chris, we love you. We're sorry AI is going to take over. We're sorry. Alex. Chris, when you're unemployed because James Dean is taking all your parts, come on the podcast.
4: All right, what else we have? The other thing I have is just I wanted to share with you guys that I think uh, gender reveal stunts. Do you guys, you, you guys know about this phenomenon of gender reveal stunts? Where people, I heard ha- that somebody like started the California fire with a gender reveal. Thing. Well, you, well, they started simply with like people getting their family together and they're like pop a balloon and whatever confetti comes yeah. out. Just in case anyone has no idea what we're talking about, it's for babies. It's right, not mm-hmm. where you reveal your own gender. You're revealing yeah, yeah, the yeah. gender to your like
1: baby. a flashing
4: situation. So you do something with either blue or pink to reveal the gender to your family and your friends. It started yeah. simply, but they're getting out of hand. <laughs> like you mentioned, one started a wildfire in Arizona, in Arizona. Uh, that resulted in. Forty-seven thousand acres being burned and eight million dollars in damages. Luckily, no one was hurt. But and then another one, they That's created. Worse. They were trying to create a colorful explosion of like dust. They accidentally made a full-on bomb <laughs> and ki- and killed the the, the, the grandmother <laughs> or what? Who she would have been the grandmother. So the baby wasn't born off. yet. Did, and sorry,
1: um, did <laughs> she die? I'm sorry. I'm so fucked up. Did she die of a heart attack? Or no,
4: she did died. She died in an explosion. In the explosion, there was a literal explosion. She died. They, they they bombed their grandma. They bombed their grandma. So apparently, they oh. built it on. They built this contraption on some metal base, what? and and when it exploded, shrapnel. Down, that metal base. They hit. built a dirty yeah. bomb. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! And this was just like a family get together, and then another one. And this was my favorite. Um, led to a, your favorite. Pl- a plane crash. A plane crashed because of this. Is the plane? If you could see it. You see? Oh I don't understand. God. It's a private plane, I this assume? It was it was a private plane. It was dropping, it was like a crop dusting plane.
2: They were it was dropping colorful water. Wow. But it was flying too low. So wait, so is the plane the plane was involved in the stunt or like Yeah, yeah, the plane. Yes. Okay. The plane is
1: supposed to release pink yes.
2: dust. Okay. But instead, I guess it flew too low and then crashed. Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't think you can blame that on the dust. I mean, it could have been flying anything and flying. Too
1: the late. bomb seems like the worst. The bomb, or the or bomb the is fire. the bomb the did not.
2: Yeah, that, that's directly attributable to this thing. But let's—is there a video? There, I don't have of the bomb. I don't, oh, I, I don't, don't unfortunately. But I do. Oh, ha- like, I just have a picture. Bastard. Oh, not the bomb. I don't want the bomb. I want the plane. Is <laughs> there video? Just a picture. Got it. Okay, so I got it. That one, I that one, I can understand. Do can you imagine how things haunted
1: you would be? You accidentally built a dirty bomb that killed your mom oh
2: my gosh just how for the rest of your life that would haunt you yeah and this is the thing it's so it's such a bummer when things that are the crime itself is stupid it's thoughtless it's you're being an idiot let's just go to the first one causes eight million dollars worth of damage and burns and by the way, no people died. Animals died. Lots of them. You know, no animal cruelty. If, if that was a federal crime and we're talking about animals that burned alive, those people spend their lives in jail. Mm-hmm. And it's so- Do you unf- go to jail anyway for
1: accidentally starting a fire that no. $8 million in damage? Do, I
2: don't think so. I don't think so. I really do think that I could be wrong. I believe in our Did legal system- Did they go system. to jail, Andrew? I don't believe so, but I know that they're uh, responsible for a, a lot of the money. Intent in factors in heavily. Hmm to a lot, of, a lot of stuff, as I think it should, because it's such a shame when, when the, a crime is negligence or stupidity or, like, the level of thing that happened all the time in college. Like, you're being an idiot, man. Don't do that. You're an idiot, you know? Like, why did you do that? You're being so stupid. And just one of those kills somebody. Mm. Yeah, I don't... What do you do? <laughs> okay, Grandma's dead now. Like, because I was being stupid probably because i was excited about my engineers. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought i could build a dope thing and and some of them the same thing was happening back when people were trying like stop bullets with with phone books Uh, oh my god yeah there was there was one where somebody tried to like catch a bullet i I don't know if it was a phone book or, or whatnot but uh yeah what do you do in a situation where somebody does something that is because some of these people go to jail when they shoot people in these scenarios, and they're like, oh, sh-. they're playing with a gun. I believe there was one where a husband told the woman—now I'm going to butcher this—to shoot him through a phone book.
1: No, two friends. I remember this. Two yeah. friends
2: agreed to it. They said, yeah. uh,
1: you know, we're going to videotape it. Like, yeah. shoot me through—I forget it was a phone book or this yeah, yeah. this um, bulletproof thing that I bought online. Yeah. And—oh, did it kill him? No, the one I'm talking about, they went to the hospital I together. to the hospital? They went to the hospital, so, they, like, so to the I, hospital I, I don't want
2: to get all these stories conflated, because I am. But— yeah, what do you do when somebody does something stupid and there's horrible repercussions? Do they go to jail? Do they like, do you punish them for the what they did, or do you punish them for what it resulted in, uh, or somewhere in between? That's a tough question. I don't know, Angel. Thanks for bringing the the macabre
1: to the podcast.
2: Nice, today. interesting question. Though. I'm going to think about that. Our, what I, what is our punitive system set up to? punish allegedly it's not supposed to punish right it's just
1: supposed to incentivize well, that's silly the <laughs> it's allegedly i think it's supposed to the
2: prison system exists to deter crime alleged yes alleged but i but there are certainly cases where like uh somebody absolutely did not intend for something terrible to happen is no risk of it ever happening again mm-hmm. but winds up incarcerated uh for it so it's this is, this is one of the things that I think is never really made clear when people argue about the prison system. There's a, and a lot of arguments in the world. Is what, is, what are we trying to do? What's the philosophy behind the prison system? Is mm-hmm. this to deter crime by making an example out of people? Is this to rehabilitate people? What is our aim? Because I find that people argue about prisons are too big or they shouldn't be privatized. And it's like, let's just zoom out and ask, what is the point yeah, why do we have prisons? of this? Yeah, what, what are we trying to accomplish? And then we'll worry about private, mm-hmm. public, whatever, the best way to get there. Uh, I'd like to live in a world where it was about rehabilitation uh, and in some cases about protecting people. And even I could see an argument for uh, as a deterrent, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm soft. I like the rehabilitation (laughs) thing. I'll I'll read more. We'll talk about it in depth sometime. What else we got? Fan questions? Yeah.
4: Yep. Audience questions? Audience questions. The first one I have comes from Ryan. Uh, He asks biological success and fulfillment often seem to be at odds with one another. For example, our bodies reward ourselves for having tons of sex uh, while it comes at a huge personal cost. The same seems to apply for bigger groups and societies. The most vigorous and successful cultures from Darwinistic perspective are often far removed from what is best for individuals. There seems to be a tremendous strength in irrational tribalism, uh, shared stories and beliefs. How would you approach creating a group uh, or culture that would maintain its darwinistic edge without sacrificing truth in the process. Thanks love the podcast.
2: Cool. Do you have any thought? I mean, I have I'm going to read <laughs> that was a lot. I'm going to yeah. read- I'm going to read the question cuz it's in the sentence. I'll I'll start. Uh, so I wouldn't try to create a group so I th- that that had a darwinistic edge. I I identify pretty heavily as an individual and and of the culture that I grew up in. I identify less as a member of a group and I have, I have uh, little interest in legacy, both biological and, I guess, fruits of my labor. I'm most interested in personal fulfillment and truth. And I think to your point, personal fulfillment, pursuit of truth are often at odds with what is going to make a culture or a person survive in the long run. And as with every priority. When they come into conflict, you have to d- decide which one is going to win. So for me, it's it's personal fulfillment. You know, if I'm not going to have kids, probably <laughs> I am going to quote unquote lose the biological imperative game, uh, and I am happy to do that because to try to win the biological imperative game would mean that I would have to have kids despite not wanting them which would make me unhappy. So I would, again, I have to choose. What is my priority? Is it is it pursuing my fulfillment and happiness as best I know how? Or is it trying to win the game and be an ancestor of somebody down the line? So I personally wouldn't try to do both. What do you think, Ben?
1: I don't really understand the incentive for the former. So the, so the question is the most vigorous and successful cultures from a Darwinistic perspective are often far
2: removed from what is best for the individual. So why let's, would I want to pursue here's a concrete example. So we spoke to the guy on the show who is Mormon. Yeah. The reason that one of the reasons that Mormonism is spread is because they're they they have these missions, right? So they're very outreaching. But also you can get cut out of the community very easily if you stray um so they are able to retain members because well they of course believe it but also there's like i lose my mom my dad my brother sure. my sister everyone i know if i step outside this that seems bad well that's the so so mormonism from a darwinistic perspective about a culture isn't is very effective mm-hmm. i mean it has grown so fast uh and you can and then you can make your own assessment of sure. how happy but people what, are, I'm are an, it
1: i'm always an opt-in kind of guy like, if I'm,
2: I'm, he's, so the question is if I wanted to create a culture, right? Here's another culture Judaism. What does it take to be a Jew? <laughs> well, you got to take a test. Yeah, it's you a hassle, dude. It's a hassle. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> if you
1: want to convert to Judaism, it's a huge hassle. And so, the rabbi asked
2: you three times on three separate occasions, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And so, Judaism isn't as successful. Now, the individuals actually in Judaism on a per capita basis are doing quite well. But uh, in terms of spreading as a culture, it's been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. we're getting... like panda bears, dude. You got <laughs> you really gotta work to make sure we don't go away, go extinct. Yeah, so it's uh, it's still around, but it doesn't have a lot of the tenets that make Mormonism as successful as I it's think Judaism is going to stay small. Yes, um, and so my question would be: Why would you want to create? I guess that's my question. That's my question. If I'm creating a culture,
1: why would I? I guess for me, this is just my values. I don't want to create a culture that was centered around happiness and making other people's lives better, and it could stay small if it wanted to, and people could opt in or out. I would not want to create a culture where if you left, you're ostracized.
2: And what that might mean is that your culture might not exist 20 years after your death. Yeah, yeah. My Judaism might go away. And to the first point that I made, that's because you identify as Ben Altman. You don't identify as first and foremost, a member of an ambassador for said culture. I'm on j Swipe. <laughs> Go easy, dude. I'm on j Swipe. I mean, any of the cultures that you're in, any of the cultures that you could create, it's the charisma command stage. culture, whatever it is. Uh, so I don't have an answer. Yeah. Uh, they are clearly, and and you make this point, often at odds with one another. And for me, I just, I just feel so much more like an individual than I do like in a, a group group. Uh, Continue our ambassador's legacy. Really doesn't interest me. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I'm curious to you know why answer. why this
1: person wants to know this. Maybe posting on this podcast just because it's interesting. Like, in what scenario are you creating a culture? Sure. Well, I'm we, just. I'm just reading this. How would you approach creating a group and culture which would maintain its Darwinistic edge without sacrificing truth? I'm just curious. Like, in my day to day, when am I creating a culture where I'm concerned about its Darwinistic edge? I don't know. But, but this an, person, I think, has, has a great
2: example, man. Monks, monks pursue truth. Really, what they do is they sit there and mm-hmm. they think about what's real. They don't They try not to think in some cases. They try to experience what is real. Uh, they don't have children and they don't persist beyond their own. Their oh, own no, no. I'm just saying I want to know why
1: Ryan wants to know. It's a philosophical question. Yeah, I'm yeah, curious yeah. where do you like Ryan, why do you want to know this? I think it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And I would be curious if there's a real world
2: situation i'm not thinking of i'd be curious if you're that well this is i think ahead of some families are mini cultures in some way and and that that is i don't know that this is ryan's example but a family is a mini culture and one can ask in one's life as many people do because people feel that they need to procreate in a way to win because mm-hmm. once they learn about evolution and i experienced this you're like i want to be a winner you <laughs> really? know i never had that i time. had this dude i come from a line of winners as do you you know we all come from a long line of evolutionary winners yeah and it's like, am I gonna be the first one to fumble? <laughs> like, am I gonna drop the ball after all this time and just pff, that's it? Didn't work out. My genetics are not gonna be passed on ever again. Yeah, I got a sister. <laughs> yeah, she'll, yeah. Take, she'll, she'll take the genetics. Right, but on. whatever you have didn't work out. You right. know what I mean? Do not, not suited to uh, to procreate. And that felt like a taking an L to really? me. Yeah. Now, I'm over it. Now I don't. I I no longer care. Uh, but feels I, like opting out of the rat race to me. It, yes, but it can also feel like resigning, resigning, you know, yeah, like quitting yeah. like, uh, I think anyone who quitting wants the game. kids, anyone who <laughs> wants them should have them. Yes, absolutely. I don't think you should have them if you don't want them so that your genes live on. Uh, what do you think people mean when they say legacy? I know. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't that's think a huge
1: should... c- compulsion for people. I don't think people should pursue legacy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's even amend that. Uh, you think that people will be less happy if they pursue legacy yeah yeah, do whatever you want but that's uh, what we're saying is that your value your priority coming back to the foundational question is happiness is is the happiness of the individual and not the persistence of a set of genes cultural values uh or or ethnic blood or anything like that yeah or religious you can do things that leave a legacy
1: have kids build a great organization that loves you and does great stuff for the world accidentally creating a legacy is totally fine and can be awesome I think if you pursue
2: a legacy as your number one driver, it will lead you to unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what this was the premise of that question. You see, yeah, yeah. Is recognizing that. Yeah. So, yeah, we choose happiness and we don't know how to do both. <laughs> Great question, though. Super, super interesting. Anything else? Yeah, a couple questions about. The, uh, about
4: <clears throat> <clears throat> I, would, I
2: would like to know.
1: I'm not going to be allowed to read the comments, but maybe Angel, will keep your eye out. <laughs> Ryan, leave a second comment. I'd be you really read curious. The comments. I'd be really curious if you have something specific in mind
2: i'd i'd be personally curious to know what it is i just want you to know i'm not blocking you from reading the comments i'm not yeah it can't me. be stopped dog okay yeah go ahead do your thing uh what's the next question
4: um so last week you guys mentioned uh, if anybody had any questions about the business sure. uh some people did so the first one comes okay. from alex uh why did it involve you guys moving to brazil <laughs>
2: Great question. That that was a business <laughs> Tot- totally unrelated to the business. A business setback, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, but
1: it's a good it's a good example of how pursuing happiness can accidentally lead to more success.
2: Yeah. If you would you like to take this one? No, you got it. Okay. Uh, so we it didn't have anything to do with the business. The business was would have done better at least in the short term had we stayed in New York because we were building. Uh, the foundation of of our business there. We knew people. We were, you know, we spoke English. Brazil was a dream that was inspired by reading the Four Hour Work Week. Particularly, he has one case study of a guy who moved to Florianopolis. That was the first city that I went to when I when I visited Brazil. Uh, it's this nice little island surf town, and I had a great time while I was in Brazil. And I said, "This is where I want to live." And then I went back to the New York winter. I was sure this, <laughs> that Brazil was where I wanted to live and so the business wasn't the end goal living in brazil was the end goal and the business was the means to pay for it so again which priority was first it was the lifestyle and then we forced the business to fit into these terrible business decision decisions that we were making one of which was leaving a country where we spoke the language nobody was able to help us i mean imagine trying to find mentors when you don't speak portuguese in brazil and entrepreneurship so uh yeah we used
1: to do held coaching. the business back <laughs> yeah we used to do coaching in person and yeah. that became almost impossible to do in brazil on a large scale because we weren't fluent in portuguese yeah. so we had to develop an online presence we yeah. had to create charisma university so,
2: so. this is this is uh, i'm glad that you mentioned what you said first about uh Good things can happen when you pursue mm. this because a lot of I see friends of ours who say, I don't know how you guys do it. You know, how do you have this business that doesn't require a ton of your time and you like what you're doing? And and you know, how does it fit all of these Goldilocks scenarios? And the answer is we built a Goldilocks shaped container and said only things that fit this can possibly be our business. Mm-hmm. And which means that we turn down tons of other ideas, opportunities opportunities to make more money within the similar type of business in order to get the business that now we do what we want we don't have to work a ton of time it is uh, a team that we like we don't go into the office we could have we could have had an office years ago we could have built this giant thing that took on a life of its own but it didn't fit into our first priority which was the lifestyle Mm -hmm. um so no and you do force evolution
1: that that's the part i think is interesting because we could have just tried to build a huge coaching center yeah in new york city and got in a facility, got in an office, yeah. had rooms like landmark for him, and just tried to make this giant mm-hmm. facility that was all about coaching. And by going abroad, we went. Well, we have to exist online because we can't do this in <laughs> yeah. Rio, and because we're going to
2: move in six months, and then we want to move in the to next Vegas, six months, and then we want to do another six months. so, yeah. yeah,
1: so so it forced the business to evolve, and it's because everything always comes down to what's nothing can be a tie. Yeah. So when two things are at odds. The place you want to live and the amount of money you can make in the short term. What are you going to pick? Yeah. Or the lifestyle versus whatever it is. The legacy. Mm-hmm. You you have to choose right. And so Brazil,
2: we, Brazil was originally a really bad business idea. Yeah, it's funny because today a lot of marketers or or whatever will look at our business and go, Oh my gosh. You guys are so primed for growth. If you just did this, you could triple yeah. in this amount of time. You get this guy on the team, this guy on the team. You're going to have to go into the office because you need to train these people. And you go, okay, that's a non-starter. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm unwilling to do the things that would triple because uh, the best thing we ever did, I'm sorry to talk so long about this, is we sat down and we wrote down our values prior to, to moving to Brazil. And it was like, have a good time. Like... Live somewhere where we're different and special. Yeah. <laughs> like, be on the beach. Be on the beach. Be where it's warm. Yeah. And, and money was – have enough money to do those things. Yeah. That was what money was, was for. So uh, He's got – this is a two-part question, by the way. This person has a second question. Oh, sorry. What's the second part? Well, <clears throat> Sorry. The next part of the question
4: is, uh, as someone who's very young and doesn't have any knowledge or experience of the business world, I was wondering what is the literal first step of starting Charisma on Command? Oh, that's funny the literal
2: first step.
4: Well, how far back do we go? This person says sorry, I have a
1: question here. It says as in what was the most vanilla first thing you guys did when you thought of the
2: idea? Okay. I think this person's going, yeah, how do I what do I do? So, the first step was was reading the 4-hour work week. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I, I Didn't consider starting a business until I read that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell you some of the second steps because we didn't think of the idea. The four-hour work week had an exercise where we did the Venn diagram that we talk about, which is things that you're good at, things that can help other people. Mm -hmm. And then the Things that you like. Yeah, things that you like and are good at, things that can help other people. It's three circles, Yeah. The first thing we did was circle – parkour (laughs) and then we tried to start a parkour business and i mean yeah then then we lost a lot of time and money on that one and then i'll tell you the third thing that we did was probably incorporate i don't know that that was yeah yeah i think well i think for someone who goes i
1: want to start a business what did you do i think what we did was we bought a domain from GoDaddy. yeah and then we registered with WordPress Engine yeah. to be able to host a website. No, 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 no. WordPress no? Engine came okay, way WordPress? later. WordPress? We had a Weebly site, my friend. Okay, Weebly. We sure, had, would no, Wix. We had, today would be
2: Wix. It's Wix today, yeah. But, so
1: you go to GoDaddy, you get a domain, and you go to Wix, you get a drag-and-drop website designer. And honestly, in an hour, now you've got a website. Yeah. That was the very, very first vanilla yeah. thing we did was have a website. Yeah. And then we started writing
2: blog posts. Yeah. But I, if I had to say, like, the most concrete thing that it's going to give you, not just step one, step two, is the four-hour work week. Yeah, just to be clear, our business didn't make any money for the first year. So I don't know that copying our first steps
1: is necessarily (laughs) what you want. Take our, like, hundredth steps.
2: Throw those first ones out. Four-hour work
1: week, and then there's, of course, Eben Pagan's Marketing Step-by-Step. That's going to take you far.
4: Cool. We've got um, a few more business questions from uh, Nina. Nina wants to know, how did you learn what to do and how to start? How did you know which advice was good for your channel and business and which was not?
1: I'll take this one. Okay. Buy the four-hour work week and marketing (laughs) step-by-step.
4: How do we know where to start and how do we so, know yeah, which that advice? Was, how did you learn what to do and how to start? That's
1: how we learned what to do. Yes. I I went to business school and I never, no one ever mentioned starting a business. Yep. So the 4-Hour week truly, even though I'm being facetious, is how I learned what to do and how to start. Yep. And then it was not a good business until marketing step by step. mm mm-hmm. so those really were the best things we did. Yeah. I How think, did you know which advice was good for your channel and your business and which was not? That's, that's the more nuanced point, I
2: think. So there's a couple answers to this question. Uh, the f- I'll, I'll just start with one. You have to consider where all advice is coming from and assume that if someone's been, if they're dispensing advice, they've probably been following it for some period of time. So, when somebody in a position that had a business would advise us to do something, I would look at what their business was. And we saw all kinds of businesses. We worked, you know, saw one guy who ran a scant, like just lied in his ad copy. And he had all kinds of advice for us on what we should do. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, if we'd listen to his advice, like we will wind up where he is. Yeah. We also uh, got advice from a lot of people who have never started anything successful. That's the big one. So, most of the advice you're going to get is going to come from people who have never done it. And so you go okay. So if I follow your advice, I'll be where you are. Yep. So I love you, mom, dad, you know, friend, uh, well-intentioned cousin. You have no idea what you're talking about. Like this is like someone who has been to therapy acting like a psychologist. (laughs) You know, just because you purchase products. Yeah, you you take advice from people you want to be like. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to know yes who to listen to and who not to so that's a huge one and then within that i'm just going to tell you because we've read a lot of business books and and there's there's a ton of them and some of them are better than others i will try i think we really should and audible i know now has like uh recommended section if we reached out to them yeah they won't do it they are such pains it's I, so audible, weird please <laughs> it's so weird so i've asked
1: audible please can you just get a list of all the things we've recommended so yeah. that we can get it to people yeah. faster so they oh can use God. your your thing mm, more yeah
2: I think it's because I'm going through an intermediary, but yeah, yeah, they, they, they won't. In any event, <laughs> I will it. then make a list at some point of the books and I'll just tell you some of them now that were important. So we mentioned the four hour work week. We mentioned marketing step-by-step. If you go into coaching, the prosperous coach Incredible is a book. good one, uh, for the step after marketing step-by-step, which can be tough to find cause it's an audio program. But, uh, there is a book called by Ash Maria called running lean, mm-hmm. uh, just read the first one. Read the four-hour work week and then get to these. These are for a month after, two months after. I think one thing we're
1: not mentioning, she says, How do you know what's good for your business and what's not? We tried a lot of things. And then failed. We're not these yeah. we're not these brilliant savants that read a bunch of books and went, that's the one, and mm-hmm. then it worked. We tried a bunch of stuff at once. When we were doing YouTube. We were also trying LinkedIn. We're like, I'm gonna be a Twitter guy, is what yeah. we thought
2: at one point. I was like, I'll just write really interesting, pithy yeah.
1: things on Twitter. So I think part of it is this is what i tell people to do when you don't really know what's going to work try a bunch of stuff at once and then when you see one of them start to take off stop doing everything else and go Mm -hmm. all in on that thing and so i think you'll read all these strategies at one point when we were making charisma university we were also trying webinars and we were also trying this other thing Mm -hmm. because we were reading all these we're actually taking all these programs at once yeah and charisma university worked really well and webinars did not and so we went
2: cool We'll never do a webinar again. (laughs) We're going all in on Chrism University. If you tracked, and I wish we had, ideas that we have tried to execute on to successful ideas, it's probably about 5 to 10%. I was going to say 5%. Yeah. It's probably 1 in 20 that actually winds up being good. And so the real thing for the most beginning entrepreneur is can you fail 20 times? (laughs) Because you might even have a worse record. This is with the benefit of having been in business for as long as we've had and having a horse sense now of what could work that we're 5%. Yeah. Uh, I told you our first business just didn't. Everything within it was a failure. Yeah. We had to completely change business. The one, the one thing I'd say is
1: you can figure out the easiest, quickest, lowest cost way to test things. Yeah. So for instance, when we first did Charisma University, we pre-sold it. We said, we want to create this course. Eventually it'll be open to everyone. But we're gonna sell it to 25 people and you'll get individual
2: coaching from Charlie if you sign up which and will this not... was to be clear this was about after about a year and a half of writing blog posts so we had it we had some people that were familiar with us a couple thousand people on our yeah. email list but the point was we, we had a number I think if 15 people if 14
1: people or less purchased yeah we were gonna say all right this isn't a good we idea long these term. people their money this we're this not gonna, gonna do work. this yeah. if it does 15 or higher, we'll do it, and then it sold out. And we went, oh, this is a thing people want. Mm-hmm. But what you could do is spend four months making a course you think is great, try to sell it, and then have no one want it, which yeah. would be a huge bummer. So you wanna
2: be mobile with ideas. Which means, and here's a great way to test. So say you wanna do content, which is the world that I know. And, and if you're if you're in product, there's other things, but you start by writing an article on something. And the hardest thing to do is going to be to share it. And actually, you don't need to even worry about sharing it on your Facebook because your friends and family aren't going to give you good stuff. You go to a forum that is interested in that topic mm-hmm. and you put it up and you see what the response is, right? You go write another one, put it up. You do this five, six times and you've written five, six articles, but now you have an idea at least of which among those was most interesting to this community. And within the comments and the feedback amongst compliments and negative things is going to be valuable insight into what people are truly looking for, into what is excellent and good in your posts and what is lacking in your posts. And if you're getting no feedback at all, it's not working. Try something else. Uh, So that was what we had for a long time was posting in forums and stuff like that was direct feedback on the type of topics, how people wanted to to be approached whether they wanted examples of particular scenarios or just to be taught general principles and so after writing many many articles i started to understand what people were interested most when it came to social skills um that's an example of the small testing that ben is talking i didn't just stop i didn't just write my magnum opus book and mm-hmm. be like here it is everyone who wants it because the answer would have been no one yeah this is also a two-part question so mm-hmm. well, going let's part two. hit me uh yeah this
4: is part two and this is the last question uh, do you ever get bored or tired of it? Yeah. And what? Do you th- <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what do you do Why do you think this, this
2: podcast assists?
4: <laughs> uh, well, they follow, they continue. Uh, what do you do in these situations and how do you push through? Also, how do you get a break without hurting the business when you're your own boss?
2: Oh, this is a big sense of tension between Ben and I. Not tension. <laughs> Our friendship is eroding. <laughs> so I am, and I've expressed this, there are people that I enjoy breaking down, but Uh, one of the wonderful things that has happened is we've become successful. And with success comes a desire to top yourself or at least to match yourself. Mm -hmm. And so people want us to do who they want us to do. And I don't always find that person interesting. And I find that when I cave and do someone that I'm not totally interested in, I am bored. I don't enjoy it. And up until now, I've kind of done it and I've officially... I'm handing in my resignation. <laughs> I'm opting out. I no longer am interested in doing purely crowd pleasers if they don't match what I would like to to do. I can do a crowd pleaser like Peaky Blinders. Great example. Um, I enjoyed that. Bro, so, you're going to be excited to know. I'm starting to come around. You're coming around? Finish your answer. You know? <laughs> so that was an answer for someone who's been doing it for three years. What I would say at the beginning is most – well. There's two problems that you can have you can have like one type of an issue with your business or another, and here's what they generally are. One is that you bail too soon. You have a bunch of ideas, you never commit to them, and you're you're floaty. The other one is that you're too stubborn. You've been trying to knock down this door. We had a buddy and he would he's in the jump rope dudes now, but for a long time he had a business called entrepreneur fitness, where he tried to teach entrepreneurs to be fit, and it was just not an idea that was going to work. Entrepreneurs were not particularly interested in fitness and certainly not interested in being separated from the rest of the world like they needed unique fitness advice. Uh, The question that is tough to answer is who are you? Are you the person that floats around and has all these ideas never can commit to them? Or are you the stubborn person that has one idea and tries to smash it down people's throats? Most people who are just starting are over here. They haven't committed. So you are going to have to suck it up. <laughs> you are going to have to stick with something for a fixed period of time. And what I recommend doing is exactly what I did with the YouTube channel. I think I said six months once a week, I'm going to post a video. I'm going And that's going to be four times six, which is 24 videos I'm going to do. So take 24 things of whatever you're going to put out, blog posts, whatever. I am not allowed to quit until I do this. And then at the end of those six months, I'll evaluate if I want to continue. That's one way to take yourself from... I'm tired. I don't want to do it. You just sign up. You tell a friend you're going to pay him a thousand bucks if you break your promise. And so every Sunday night, I hated it, but I had to make a video. And I started doing well. <laughs> and they started doing well. Dude, I sat down for it. Sorry. I, the Super Bowl was on <laughs> when I was making one of the Donald Trump videos. And I heard you guys in the other room, <laughs> like, listening to the Super Bowl while I was editing because I did all the editing at that point in time. One of these Donald Trump videos. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was on a Sunday night. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I think I answered the question, which is, uh, unfortunately, yes, there are things I don't want to do. Now I've achieved a place where I can step away and go, the wiser thing for me to do now is to stop doing what I don't want to do and start moving back in the direction of passion. But as a beginner, you are going to have to buckle up and do some things that you don't want to do for a fixed period of time to give it a chance to grow. And so that was long what else do you got
1: no no i agree with you i was just saying i'm coming around to your team yeah i was my inbox was overloaded the other day and i was working a lot i just went well, yeah why what am i doing
2: this is fun i enjoy yeah, i enjoy yeah. this
1: this is let's just do fun stuff man i'm i agree i'm coming around yeah so I'm coming around the pro- i want to transition i want to try to replace myself as best i can we'll do the transition
2: slowly but this is this i'm is, on board with team only do stuff that's enjoyable so this is for later in business though. i bought this for a month yes this is for later in business first steps in business. What do you love and what do you find interesting? What does the market need? And there's going to be times where you're filing for an LLC or editing a video or, or doing stuff that isn't fun. That is inevitable. And I don't think that you can totally bail out of it. Just make sure that the big picture is moving in a direction that you're fascinated by. Go ahead. I see you. I think that that has helped
1: a lot if you have an incredible North Star, though. Yes. When I was in investment banking and I hated it and I had to file for an LLC... I was stoked. I did not mind. I was like, "This is sick. This is how I this escape." Is amazing! I'm going to get to Brazil with my friends. Like, so I was actually totally fine. I think you can motivate yourself through the boring or through the tedious. Yeah. If you have a big enough this dream. is a great This is a great point. I think you have, if you have a big enough dream. And I think once for us,
2: no, you like, nailed it. You this is keep going, keep going. I love it. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> We had a huge reason why at the beginning, because yeah. your life was investment banking, my life was consulting, and we hated and it. And we hated it. So when you told Ben file for analysis or me write a blog post, and you and it was like this is what gets me to that Brazilian beach, absolutely worth. Oh, it. I'd sprint to it. We are now at a point where we go, why? would I do something that I don't want to do? And, and the answer a, would be for more money. For more money. Which is much less motivating yes. than a real dream that you're really passionate about. Exactly. So my real dream today is to exactly what it was, weirdly enough, six years ago, which is spend my time doing what I love. Mm-hmm. And we lost, not total, honestly, I've never lost, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> is, is, don't let money usurp that. Money is a tool to spend time doing what you but love. But anyway, to make this relatable to you, if you're finding yourself bored, Maybe you don't
1: have a big enough dream or a most sure. motivating dream. Because Elon Musk says this is the secret to his success yeah. as well. He works 20-hour days. I wouldn't recommend doing what he does, mm-hmm. but he is so motivated. He thinks he's going to save mankind. Yeah, and so when he has it. to sleep on a couch and they go, why do you do this? He goes, this, this is a non-issue for me yeah. because I think I'm the only person that can do it and I'm going to save our species. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think if you find if you're an entrepreneur and you find yourself bored and you can't get through the boredom, Perhaps you don't have a motivating enough North Star. Yeah. And maybe that means you need to start a different business that actually moves you towards something that you're excited about. So that when you're registering for an LLC, even though it's boring
2: to fill out government paperwork, you're stoked and, and we'll, you're happy. And we, you, or what you need to do is write down your North Star, make it concrete. We both on multiple occasions wrote down your the dream day. Mm-hmm. I wake up. I'm in an apartment with several friends. You know, it's sunny outside. Yeah. I can see the beach out of my window. There was no alarm. There was no alarm. That was huge. Mm-hmm. No alarm was so big. Um, and we wrote down the day and what we would do and what we would and, – and we. You can that, do that was day. highly motivating. You can do that day, by the way, for about 2500 yeah. bucks a month. Yeah. That's the other thing we wrote. Your day, my day. Who knows what other people's days looks like, but yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, but what I'm saying is when we wrote down the day, that was another thing. I guess this is a different question, which is how did you quit – how did you quit your high paying job? Mm-hmm. When I wrote down my ideal day, it was a $2 coconut on the beach yeah. while I sat on the beach for free. It wasn't for me Maseratis and stuff. Yeah. And so I was willing to work really hard cuz I had a dream and I thought it was achievable. It's hyper achievable. Because yeah. I was like, I don't need this to be a million dollar a year business. I don't need to sell this mm-hmm. for 100 million dollars. I just need 3 grand a month yeah. so I can afford coconuts and rotisserie <laughs> chicken and a little bit of rent in brazil yeah so yeah that was really helpful too is i had a very concrete dream and i and i had faith that i could do it because i didn't have to have a billion dollar exit totes
2: yeah i could i could reminisce about the business all day
1: i have two other questions angel i picked four questions you picked two of them so well done (laughs) but i was going through as i was reading the comments and i found two questions that i liked and i wanted to see if we could answer them so first question Charlie, how did you get off of social media? I've tried and had some success in the past by turning off all notifications on the phone, but the last couple of months, I got more back into it. I started dating for the first time, and things got worse when I got a new phone because all the notifications are
2: back ah, on. Yeah. I don't like to be on social media. What do I do? So I've gone back and forth, to be clear. So my, I'm at still very low, but like I've logged into Instagram more in the last month than I did. I went probably 30, 40 60 days without touching instagram and i've logged in though i haven't really scrolled to check messages and stuff so i don't want to let you like i go back slide back and forth sure but i will highlight didn't you delete instagram from your phone it's i have to log into it on safari so this yeah this person
1: is trying to get off of social media with notifications notifications yeah. off no i deleted it you deleted the app so i the have only to, to go, go to the safari to... thing so, and, so this and is their a, so that's, service that's yeah. one thing to do is it's a huge hassle or not huge hassle it's a bigger hassle yes. for you i'm to gonna look at my phone let me
2: i have tons of apps but none of them do i want to use uh so that's one thing is it's, if you're trying to get off social media you get rid of the ability to get on I don't have media. the facebook app i don't have the instagram app i don't have the snapchat app i i, I I actually do have Snapchat, but I've never used Snapchat, so it's not yeah, hard yeah. for me. <laughs> I Actually, I didn't realize I have it. Um, I don't have any of the apps. So, there. of course, there are no notifications. Well, that's my number one piece yeah. of advice if you want to get off social media. The friction of going get to the, the app the store when I want to download this is a lot and will keep me off. So, that's one thing. The second is uh, – this is a longer, harder one, but I've been working on cultivating deeper awareness. It's sort of like taking a walk, paying attention, meditative stuff – and every time I'm on social media, I feel worse. <laughs> and I'm aware of it now. Uh, and then I'm aware of that compulsion to get on social media. And I go, how does it feel with this burning desire to check? What is that? What is this? Is this a comfortable feeling? It's like, no, this is this is an, an itch. Mm-hmm. And scratching it, I like. But I don't like the itch. Like, I want this itch to go away, but I have to find a more sustainable way than simply by scratching it. Mm -hmm. So that, that heightened sense of awareness of how do I feel? And every now and then it becomes, when I do log in, it becomes so stark because the difference of really not using Instagram for weeks and then seeing it is like, all of a sudden I'm jealous. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. I miss this person that I haven't thought of. All of a sudden I have these awful feelings. So heightened awareness, but even more important, delete the apps. Uh, there's a thing called Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator for uh, for to kill the Facebook for desktop desktop page. There's a thing called Distraction Free YouTube for YouTube. There's a, there's what do I use? Stay focused. I get one minute of Reddit time a day. One minute. One minute. That's nothing. It goes away. It, I like, go <laughs> <I'm> frantic. <laughs> um, that's how you know. I told you I stopped looking at the comments. I blocked the comment page. Yeah uh well
1: this is what i wanted to say this this was the high level i don't want to beat this horse to death but this is the high level point i wanted to make this person is trying to get off social media by turning off notifications when you don't want to look at the comments you download something that eradicates the comments so that they are unavailable unless you go disable this add-in when you don't want to be on instagram you delete instagram so that's i think that's what makes it
2: successful is you just make it a huge hassle to get these things you don't bank on willpower no how the question is how much friction are you willing to add because some people are like, oh, I'll delete notifications. Well, okay, you deleted some of the – but, like, getting rid of it is a lot. And then adding a block on your Safari is even and, – and, and getting rid of your phone, well, now there ain't nothing yeah. going to happen. No, so uh, that's the
1: point. It's not willpower. The yeah. answer
2: is not willpower. Yeah, it's definitely not willpower.
1: <clears throat> All right, last question. How do you process the information found in books? Do you write notes, highlight? Important ideas? Do you just read them and absorb them? Often I have trouble
2: reaching the flow state when reading. So any tips on improving my reading experience? Mm, Thank you. That's super great question. I don't know that I'm an expert on this. I, I, I know that I'm not an expert on this, actually. I can tell you what I do. I use Kindle highlights. I really like reading on Kindle. I almost never read. Whenever I buy a physical book, I actually never make it through. Uh, so I, I read Kindle. And what I often do is that I have a time where I'll tell Ben about it. Or I, like I talk to people about it, and that actually helps me synthesize because they'll, if I can't explain it, yeah. <laughs> they go, "I don't get it. What are you talking about?" And I try explaining the double slit experiment. I'm like, eh, I don't think I understand it. <laughs> and yeah. then I go back and read it until There's I know. Been studies I Studies can... on that, yeah. The
1: best way to learn something is to try to teach it.
2: Yeah, I think we have to stop saying things like "there's been studies." <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> it's, 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 it helps me. Let's just let's just talk on okay. anecdotes. It definitely helps me. Um, so yeah having someone like ben who is generally interested to hear and riff and talk uh means that i have to have some level of command over it and if i don't the conversation fizzles uh the other thing i do is i since i'm reading on the computer i have an evernote and sometimes i will go from reading to writing instantaneously if i get a good idea and i'll just write and uh that's okay because I don't. Reading for me the way it can be done to relax, read a fantasy book, get into a flow state, kick back. But I really enjoy engaging with what I am reading, and when it happens that my reading is interrupted because I can't stop typing, that's ideal. So I have uh, several different notes that I'll just make on a on a particular book where I'll copy particular phrases that I like. Sometimes, sometimes I'll write one paragraph, and sometimes I will write an entire blog post that comes up. And then I have another section when there's a good idea where I just go for podcast notes, which is what you see me referencing on my phone, uh, where I just write an idea, you know, mm-hmm. boy on slot, like whatever it is that I was reading about. So that's that's how I do it. I actually don't try to get in flow. I try to talk to the uh, to the
1: thing that I'm reading. What yeah. about you? My nonfiction reading is very stilted because what I will do is if I'm reading something that I think is profound or interesting or novel i will stop reading and think how can i apply this to my own life yeah so that's how i remember stuff is instead of keeping it theoretical or reading an entire book and then going oh how do i apply that anytime i hit a point uh how to win friends and influence people when he talks about how (laughs) no one wins in an argument i used to be really argumentative and i hit that point i went oh my god and i put it down and i sit and i think and i picture my last argument how it could have gone and i kind of try to live the, the most recent experience I had that could have gone differently if I'd implemented that advice. Do you type or do you just think? No, nope. no, I just put it down and I just kind of live in a world in my head or with the business. Sometimes I'll write it down for the business, but if I'm reading something that's business, a business book, I will not just read it. I'll read it and as soon as I hit something that I think we don't do or could learn from, then actually for business, I do have notes. I put a note in my phone. Like when yeah. I was reading Story StoryBrand, yeah. I would read until I found something I thought was applicable to us and then I would stop. I would think how we can apply it and I would write down how we can apply it. So I would always try to do that because I think it's easier to remember what you can do in your own life than it is to just remember a
2: a point that doesn't tie to anything you know, that's concrete. I'm glad you said that because I think that sometimes what people do with these books is they try to remember stats and they try to remember to to understand a theory or phenomenon. I am so selfish when I read these books. I, I want to know, what can I take? What can mm-hmm. I do? How can I teach someone better? And it's in that process of relating it to myself that I, that's what I retain. Same. Uh, but if you had me read a history book and then just re-express the order of events and they weren't particularly interesting to me, I couldn't, I don't know that I would be exceptional at that. Same. Uh, but if I learned a lesson from any particular battle about strategy and I'd thought, of, oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. So yeah, make it about you. That's a great, that's a great piece of advice thanks man anything else Angel we got a conversation I actually have to go at three but we have a half hour hello hello Mauricio hello Mauricio can you hear me yes I can hear you hey what's going on man hey how's it going very well we're hanging out here uh, I'm here with Ben Ben say what's up Hello, sir. Oh, oh! I'm already on the call. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. Don't I was worry. This, for a this isn't live. We can chop it all. Don't sweat it. We'll make you That's look bad. great. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool, but yeah, cool. we were we were told that you had a question that you wanted to ask.
5: Yeah, super psyched to be able to talk to you guys. I, I could really use uh, some guidance, uh, awesome. to say the least. But uh, it's kind of long, but I'll I'll get right to the important parts. So, um, it's a pretty big uh, crossroads in my life. Okay. It's uh, some big personal, moral, philosophical questions to it. And it has huge consequences in my personal life. This
2: is a great storytelling, by the way. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: the, I learned it from the best. <laughs> so, All right, so, so what's yeah, the issue? So, okay, so, so here's the, here's the issue. Uh, about a year ago, I came across your video on uh, Jordan Peterson. And I, I really loved uh, the segment on how being honest can improve your life in pretty much every aspect. Mm -hmm. And that timing of that video in my life could not have been more perfect, honestly. It really left a deep impression in me. And I decided I want to do it. I want to start living honestly in everything. Mm -hmm. However, it it obviously was not that simple. Like you said, uh, there was a penalty to pay. And, well, that led me to a big crossroads that I haven't completely gotten out of. Uh, And here's the situation. So I was raised in a a church since I was born. And the issue with this particular religion is that they have some very extreme views and some very strict rules about what is allowed. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes over pretty much every aspect of your life from what friends you can have, who you can date, whether it's good to go to college or not, Mm -hmm. what ways you choose to have fun, like a bunch of stuff, including some very important things in my life, including getting blood transfusions, tattoos, stuff like that.
2: Wow.
5: So... I don't mind people having you know, their views on whatever choices they want to make with their life. The only problem here with this uh, particular religion is that the way uh, the rules are enforced, the way everyone is kept in line, is through a socially. They enforce it socially through shunning. Mm-hmm. So if they expel you, they kick you out for, God forbid, sleeping with your girlfriend, dating someone yeah. that isn't in the religion, whatever. Um, everyone on the inside, no matter who it is, can no longer associate with you. Wow. And that includes family. Yeah. It's the, so you practically have to erase them from your life, you know? Yeah. Believe them off social media, can be singing how we with them. And if you do, you get kicked out as well. Same rules apply.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: So it's, it's really intense because I mean, my entire life I was uh, raised in this religion and I was fine. You know, I was, I was okay with it. Um, to the point, I mean, I have an older brother, uh, that I didn't speak to for 17 years wow. because of this because yeah he got kicked out. Have you spoken to him? So uh Since. yes, I actually just got back today from a trip with him but uh Cool. Congratulations. But listening. I but b- before I decided to get out of the religion, I didn't speak to him for 17 years. It was
2: it was yeah. long. Wow.
5: Okay. Yeah. So uh basically um the issue as well is that it's not they don't kick you out just if you don't uh, if you don't if you break the rules. Like not believing is not an option. If you don't believe it, same thing, you're labeled on a post and nobody can talk to you. Yeah. So, um, obviously, I mean, I had to issue this for a longest time and I came across some information on this religion that, uh, I mean, it keeps a bunch of stuff hidden from its members. Of course. So, yeah. I decided, you know, I, I want to, and it was the exact same timing of your video where it was like, you know, to have a good life. It's a one, one important way is to be honest about things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wanted to do it, you know. I said, "It's been no better time than now." However, uh, the question in for me after I get, after I invested so much, you know, I gave up scholarships for this religion. I I, I limited myself in my relationships, everything. Mm-hmm. So I had the choice of either staying in, continue to lie, and uh, just pretend, and be able to keep my family and my friends, or be honest. You know, come clean. I don't believe anymore. I don't agree with this. Yeah. Get kicked out and lose everybody. So, and pretty much start my life from scratch because I I mean, they limit the amount of people you can talk to growing up. That's not in the religion.
2: Got it. And so your brother has already made the decision to leave?
5: Yes. Since, yeah, since I was five years old and he never came back. um, So,
2: got it. And so he had to live with, and have you spoken to him about this? Because I mean, I can, I can give you, uh, inexperienced philosophical advice, but the person who can talk to you about where the rubber meets the road is certainly your brother. So have you had a chance to really speak to him about his experience?
5: Uh, yes, actually. This weekend, uh, I went down to Mexico City to talk to him. What and did he say? It really opened my eyes, yeah. It was, what, it was great.
2: Does he regret his decision?
5: Huh. No, he did not.
2: Not one bit. So... It's really easy for me, and and I knew this when I was making the video about honesty in my life to talk about being honest. Because I don't, you know, what does honesty mean for me? There's still hard things, but I'm not growing up gay in a world that hates gay people. I'm not growing up in a religion that will uh, potentially make me lose family members if I'm honest. I'm not growing up in an area with a government that is going to persecute me for telling the truth. Uh, But what you're experiencing is that lying for a long period of time will eat at you and that's undeniable and the question that you're facing which is is if you can live with that gnawing forever or if you can take the hefty hefty toll of telling the truth and i i can't tell you what to do in this scenario i can only say that that telling the truth will be incredibly hard up front but likely get easier and lying will be will get a little bit more difficult every day. It'll get a little bit more difficult, uh, and you are the one that has to decide which of those cases is best for you.
5: Right, right. No, yeah, that that makes complete and total sense. It's the Wow, that was, that
2: was pretty easy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't but, know that it's easy. I mean, it's. Let me tell no, you. No, no. I, I mean, No, yeah.
5: I understand. It's the but the way you you placed it, kind of. It's it's a it's a very really good point because I hadn't really thought about just thinking about what well, my brother.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um. I mean, he did mention it, but he didn't come straight out saying. Yeah. I have no regrets. He just said, "I'm. I am. I can tell you that I'm way more happier." That's. So it it was. Yeah, it was just a matter of me kind of. It's just hard, difficult, you know, kind of to pull that trigger because it's going to affect everybody. Of and course, of course. A feeling and, of guilt, yeah.
2: And just so you know, I mean, th- this fortunately I, is not common, but there are people in, in certain areas of America that are gay that experience similar consequences for telling the truth, right? That, right. Uh, that lose everything. And I only say that not to minimize, but to tell you that you're not alone. Like, you're not the only person. Your brother has experienced this. There's people in uh, all different walks of life that are, that threatened with excommunication. Now, your brother, I think, deserves commendation, respect, and appreciation, because quite frankly, he walked away with absolutely no one, it sounds like. I mean, he didn't, I don't know yeah, if he has an older brother that that uh, he could go to, but I mean, he made the call with hope and guts, and uh, I couldn't have predicted that it would work out for the best for him, but I'm I'm really glad to hear that. The only advice that I can give you is, is really not to say do one or the other, but your brother is in a very unique expert position to advise you on what to expect and whether or not it should be worth it. Um, and it is worth saying that it sounds like you won't, you wouldn't be totally alone. Ben has something to do.
1: He... Uh, can I ask a question? How old are you? I am uh, 22 years old. So the one thing I would say... I do agree Charlie that if it's hard now, it'll continue to be hard to be in the religion and feel out of integrity. As much as it's hard, I totally understand it's hard, probably harder than anything I've ever had to do, that leaving in two years won't be easier. Mm -hmm. Like you'll still have to start over. So you can start over at 22 or at 24 or at 30, or you can stay in forever. But I've been in similar situations where I didn't want to do something because it was hard. It was going to cost me people I loved. And it made me feel guilty and bad, honestly, just in general about myself. But putting that decision off didn't put me in a better place. It just kind of procrastinated it. And then I was still in the same tough spot later. So that's the one thing to consider is if you are going to leave the sooner you leave, the sooner you can start to create a new life and new connections and form a new network. So that's one thing I would consider. And the other thing I just want to say is congrats to you because it takes tremendous self-awareness and courage to consider doing something like this. And so it's hard, but also, I mean, I hope you're proud of yourself for making it to this point because I think a lot of people wouldn't have the courage to do it. So I think it bodes well for your life in general if you're able to follow your integrity and follow your heart and do something that's hard cuz you think it's
2: best for you. And be and even no matter what decision you make, I don't I don't mean to say that you have to, but like the fact that you are capable of thinking a thought that could explode your life is really brave. Yeah. It's really brave. Yeah. Uh people can't do that. We talk about people on the podcast sometimes who work it, you know, just as an example, at Philip Morris. They can't think the thought of what if I left my job because it would explode their life. Um and you're thinking of doing something that that would would end the life as you know it, uh, but yeah. potentially give you a chance to to start something new and better. So, I, I really I'm not. It would be wrong of me to tell you what to do. The best thing I could try to do is lay out what to expect and potentially how to go about making the decision.
5: No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I respect that completely because that makes complete sense. I was actually. It surprised me because usually you expect a, a straight answer, but I mean <laughs> the way you lead it out is kind of putting me in the right direction, and I, I really, really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, what are you gonna? Do you have any idea what that direction is?
5: No, yeah, I mean here's the thing. I I actually I was about to do it two months ago. Yeah. But because uh, my sister has some mental health issues and stuff, and mm-hmm. it would you know it would shock her world. So at the last little bit last second, I backed I backed off, and, yeah. and I thought you know. I, I, I can I can go I can keep going a little longer and take care of my family from the inside. Yeah. But like like you said in the video, you know, it, it eats away at your self confidence because mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I felt terrible about myself because I I couldn't go through with something that I wanted to do for myself. You know, kind of. I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but to be selfish for once and to to see what I want
3: mm-hmm.
5: instead of kind of putting other people's well being before mm-hmm. your own
2: if that makes any sense. No, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, you have been, it sounds like, I don't know the name of this particular religion, but you have been a functionary of a group. You have, Mm -hmm. your individuality, it sounds like, has been in service of serving group ideals and group norms, and forget who you want to, what you want to do. Like, you you are just to make the group more cohesive. Uh, Yeah. And it sounds like that's been your whole life. Uh, Right, yeah. So, it's selfishness can get a bad rap. And I don't think in your case, it deserves it. Uh, <laughs> you're an individual and, and they can try to crush that out of you. Uh, you're both of, you're both a member of a group and an individual. And that's what, that's part of what it means to be human. So um, again, I, I, nothing but nothing but well wishes for you. I know that this, no matter what you do, it's you're going to face difficulty and adversity, but it sounds like at 22, you are the process that you're going through, even given the difficult circumstances that you have is, is a great process given, given where you are. I don't, I don't envy it, but it sounds like you're handling this
5: as elegantly
2: as, as one could.
5: (laughs) Thanks. I really appreciate it. But honestly, you guys' videos have really, really helped because it was in a a moment of crisis where I found you guys and it was a lot of uh, uh, kind of structure Mm-hmm. Like it really, it really helped in a lot of ways, and uh, I just, I just love what you guys are doing, honestly. Yeah, That's awesome,
2: man. I, I, let <laughs> me tell you, I never thought for a second in making any of my videos that they would be applicable to such a difficult situation, and to hear that they are is crazy. It's mind blowing. I didn't. I'm, I'm just really glad to hear it.
5: No, yeah, of course, Esther But I really appreciate it, honestly. Uh, your advice and everything. I have a feeling uh, a few years down the line, I'll i I might come across you guys and say, "Hey, here I am now." You know,
2: other well, place. If you uh, if you have more questions, call in. You know, of course, we're, we're yeah. Gonna, you'd be a recurring caller on the show. Okay, we got Mauricio back. He's <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, definitely let us know how it goes if it goes. Um, and yeah, man, we're, I'm I'm really just wishing you strength and the best. I no matter no matter what decision you make.
5: Awesome! Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Do you
2: have anything to? No, to wrap. Good luck, man. I'm 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 proud and I'm heartbroken for you at the same time. So uh, <laughs> so good luck. Thanks. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it my all. I'll give it my best. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, thank you for thank calling. Sure thing.
5: Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Thanks, Absolutely. Angel. Absolutely. Take care. Take care, buddy. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: No, my my only thoughts aren't necessarily helpful for him. So it's just like well, what a shame to be born into a place that
2: makes is it so, so controlling. hard. Makes it so hard, man. Just for you and I, uh, we got to come back to this. If we ever struggle to tell the truth, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We uh, just gotta go. Remember, Mauricio. <laughs> you know, like if it's ever hard. Uh, and we're like, ah, but think of what I stand to lose. Yeah, yeah, It's like, yeah, it's it's not that.
1: No, and I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to gas him up too much because I don't actually want to weigh in on the. Yeah, I think it's his decision to make. But absolutely. Twenty-two is, if you have to start over, that's when most people start over. They yeah. just graduated college, and in a much easier way, they lose a lot of their friends yeah. and like.
2: It's not going to be the end of the world. It's just going to be really, really incredibly hard. And you know, and I I don't, you can hear this as well. I I didn't really think of it. Um, It's a tough decision. It's, and, but there are 22 year olds whose families get in car accidents. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There are 22 year olds who lose their families. uh, And they, they, they can go on. It's Mm -hmm. horrible, terrible. Like the, you would never want that to happen, but you can live a happy life Mm -hmm. after that. Um, with law therapy (laughs) no no no,
1: i mean the other thing is it's if you're in a place that's incredibly controlling and has all these rules and it's really draconian but you're happy that's one thing but sure but if you're not then
2: i don't think it gets better also i mean what what a weird episode to talk about the song where we're talking about creating a culture that is darwinistic yeah it's like wow way to self-perpetuate you know like, that'll do it. Now, what they're clearly missing, because Scientology has, has this. Scientology has the expansive nature as well as the you-can't-leave nature. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like these guys may not have, or unless they're bigger than I recognize. Or it's Scientology. Or it's Scientology, yeah. Or the same expansive nature of, of that. But, oh, the one thing, if you are watching Mauricio, um, just, just to get more people. Your brother, no one's going to be better than your brother for, for advising you what to expect. But Going Clear is a documentary. Uh, that it that is about Scientology and it was fascinating to watch and it's t- and some people are in there who have given up their families and they're sad and they and they regret it and well not regret it they talk about the difficulties of it so just seeing what some people have had to experience yeah. can he be also helpful. might
1: inspire other people there's probably more there's probably more quiet dissidents there his brother did it and now he, he has could his be brother
2: second of a couple yeah, yeah.
1: and then it's, maybe and again I don't I hesitate to say this on the call because I do prepare, wanna... for, prepare for the worst. Yeah. Prepare you know? for the prepare worst Prepare for everyone. But your brother left never thinking he'd see anyone. And now you're here. You're here. Yeah. And now it's you and your brother and you leave. And I, I do wonder, certainly other people are having the same question. Yeah. Certainly you're not other the only other one. people in the group are unhappy and thinking about leaving. And potentially if you are the first person to do something really hard and really brave, you can inspire other people to do something really I'm hard and really, really brave, brave. Yeah, but prepare not to. That's why I didn't want to say that. Cause I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want the decision to be made because
2: of that. Yeah, but me and it has that to idea. be worth it, even if no one else comes. Yeah, but they could. Yeah. Oh wow. Good luck, man. All right. Way to end it. <laughs> That's some serious stuff. So if you're watching and you're not yeah. part of a cult that controls your whole life, yeah. good for you. Yeah, maybe be thankful for a moment thanks guys for another long podcast yeah we'll wow be back earlier or earlier than usual because we're doing two a week if there's any questions about the business anything else write them in the description on youtube if you would like to call in mauricio style that is in the youtube description if you want to support the podcast buy our course charisma university that's also somewhere ah the microphone <laughs> if you want to buy charisma university we'll, we'll talk more about it uh, and what it does later i'll shoot a whole thing but check it out it's pretty good <laughs> And I think that's it for today. All right. Thanks for watching. Peace.